What's up, guys? Welcome back to I-90 Sports episode 12. Welcome back, I-90 Sports Nation, Patriots Nation, Boston Sports Nation. What's up, guys? We brought along a special guest this morning to uh, take us into the Pats and Bucks and talk some uh, Red Sox and some Bruins as well. So Shukri writes the uh, voice of the EHL play-by-play guy, the owner of the Shukri Wrights show. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me, guys. It's my pleasure to um, be joined with you uh, this morning on a Sunday morning in which that this is no ordinary Sunday. You got the return of Tom Brady to New England with the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then also the chaos that is going to ensue beginning at 3 o'clock with Major League Baseball. Yes, it's an NFL Sunday. It is, but you got to admit, there's something added to this day in particular in terms of just the sheer ramifications for the Major League Baseball postseason, the Yankees and the Red Sox. I mean, by day's end, they both could be tied. They, they both can win today and have the wild card game here in Boston on Tuesday, mm. and they both could lose, and somehow there'll be a three-way tie, which is absolutely unbelievable considering where we were just three months ago it really is even 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 one month just just a month ago yeah. it was mm-hmm. th- in no way shape or form do we think this was going to be a wild like r- r- sprint to the finish in one with one game it's it's been it's been an interesting final month of baseball for sure oh, let's absolutely. start it off though man let's let's start it off with with the Pats and Bucks, and we'll get into we'll get into some pa- Patriots and Bucks. The return of the goat, mm-hmm. Bill versus Tom Brady, bringing the the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers back into Foxborough. Um, I guess the first question I would want to ask you, man, is how how are you going to be looking at this game? Are you gonna like like so? Here's here's how I'm gonna how is how I look at it, right? I will. I will give Brady the that the nod of the head and the the acknowledgement pregame and postgame. But the guy's coming in here wearing a different jersey. So for those 60 minutes of the game, he's the enemy, man. I hope he eats the dirt every play. And I hope, yeah, uh, he's the enemy, dude. I, I'm telling you, I will acknowledge him pregame, postgame. And when he breaks the passing record, you know, he gets the respect and in, in, in that. But outside of that, the guy's wearing a different jersey. He's coming in here as a Buccaneer, not a Patriot. And I, and like I said, I'll give him the respect pre and post game for the for what he did for this organization for twenty seasons. But outside of that, I hope we, I hope I hope he eats the dirt every play. But I'll let you. What, what do you think, Sugar? <sighs> for the sake of this podcast video, especially being on YouTube going viral, I'm going to put this out there and put this out there publicly. I love Tom Brady just as much as every diehard Patriots fan. And I'm highlighting diehard Patriots fan. Not Tom Brady fan. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking (laughs) about Tom Brady fans. No. I'm not talking about those pink hats who have the freaking audacity to show up at at Gillette wearing a half Patriot, half Buck. (laughs) Get the hell out of here with that nonsense. I'm Mm -hmm. not talking about you pink hat 
you pink had Tom Brady complete donkey riding suckers out there. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is I love the man. However, he's the enemy tonight. And I made mention of this in my tweet yesterday, and I was very blunt and I was very honest, and I and I still stand by it. I'm going to dig my feet even firmer into the ground, if I may. And I'm going to start off by saying I root for the Patriots. I, I do not root for the enemy. I don't. I root for the players that are playing currently for the New England Patriots. I appreciate what legends have done in the past. Dear Brady fans, do not live in the past. The past was glamorous. The, the past was sexy. The past was where all the memories were made, six Super Bowl titles and all. But the past is the past. We're talking about tonight. He's coming to Foxborough as a member of the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in which, oh, by the way, he left New England and basically gave Bill Belichick the biggest middle finger in America and probably <laughs> sports history of back all in time. February, in which that he said, oh, you thought the system was you. Okay. Goes to Tampa. This might a bit of a slow start because that's call it for what it was. The Bucks did get off to a slow start in 2020, yeah. but they finally figured it out in December and played their best football from December on, all the way through January through the Super Bowl in which they won. Now, I look at this game as, yes, the sentiments will be there. A lot of people will be sentimental. I will. I will. But it does not mean that I will be rooting for Brady during the game. I'm not. Mm -mm. I don't hate the man. But the problem that I have with Patriot fans, especially here in Boston, especially with in Boston sports media this week, is, is that when we sit here and we talk about Brady, we talk about what he has meant to the New England Patriots, we're not talking about the fact that Bill Belichick did not believe in him when he should have believed in him. Remember the statement that, uh, that Brady made a few years back in which he said, I want to play until I'm at least 45. Because that came before yeah. the, the statement that came out this past week. He said, I can see myself playing until I'm age 50. I mean, for goodness sakes, he's 44 right now. He's gone up yeah. to at least 45. He already proved Belichick and Kraft wrong in that regard. So ultimately, how I view this game is this game is going to be the ultimate, the ultimate middle finger to, to Belichick and Kraft. Thank you for the memories. F you. And I'm here to completely show you exactly what you allow to walk out the door. And now Patriots fans are going to be reminded of just how good we had it. Keyword, had it. Yes, mm. yes. And I mentioned this on yesterday's uh, radio show, the Sugar Red Show on 91.5 FM, WMFO, and as well as streams nationwide on the TuneIn radio app. 
I mentioned in the grand scheme of things, and I feel like there has not been enough conversation about this. If the Patriots lose this game, not only do we fall to one and three, but here's the bigger problem. This is the biggest game the Patriots will play in for the foreseeable future. There is no other bigger game than this. I went through the entire schedule yesterday on, on live on the radio airwaves. Dallas, that's not a big game. The nope. only difference with it is that it's America's team with air quotes. The only alert to it is, oh, it's Mac Jones against Dak Prescott. But again, it's like, is that really sexy versus, oh, Brady returning to New England as now a seven-time Super Bowl champion? And let's be honest, which game was circled on our calendars? It wasn't a Dallas one. No, it was this, it was uh, this uh, one. Uh, uh, yeah, we knew, we knew about this back since what? Since freaking April, right? Mm-hmm. So for me... It was like, okay, that's easy. It's that is everybody in the NFL knew that this was going to be the game of the year. No mm-hmm. ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's not even debatable. But what we also realized, and I brought forth to this, I want to bring forth to this again now. I dare you or anyone else that's watching or listening to this podcast, circle on your calendar when's the next big game for the Patriots. I'll wait. I'll honestly wait. It ain't against Buffalo. It ain't against the Chargers. It ain't against it ain't against whatever NFC South team that the Falcons forgot to on Thursday night football <laughs> later in the season. It ain't. No. This is the biggest game we'll have for a while. And that's a scary freaking proposition if you're a Patriots fan, considering that we are used to playing in big game year in and year out for nine straight years and as well as for the last 20 years that Brady was here. So to wrap up my point, this game is not just another game, but this is going to be the ultimate FU to (laughs) Belichick and Kraft for allowing the the most important player of this dynasty to walk out the door. The NFL, I've always believed, has been a quarterback-driven league. You don't believe me? I'll bring, I'll prove to you right now. Case in point. Let's look at Denver, for example. Prior to getting Peyton Manning, who was their quarterback? Oh, that's right. Jake Plummer. And then before <laughs> a very brief period of time, Tim Tebow. Yeah. Were they getting to the Super Bowl? Nope. Were they winning Super Bowl? No. No. <laughs> no. That's just one example. Oh, another example. That's right. Um, ah, New Orleans. Take Breeze out of New Orleans. Take Breeze out of New Orleans. They don't have, they don't, they're not winning Super Bowl 44. Hell, no, they're no. not even no, having no shot. success. No, no shot. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So the quarterback is the most important piece to the puzzle. And the fact that Bill Belichick and his effing freaking arrogance thought that, well, he's just another piece of the puzzle. We can just get another quarterback. It's no big deal. Yeah. Okay. Let me know how that has worked for you the last two years. You thought you're bringing Cam Newton, and you thought that was going to work. That's exactly what I and said. And it failed. It failed. It failed, and you fell flat on your face. And yeah. I said this in yep. March. You can, you guys can check my Twitter. I said this in March. And I've always believed that, Sorry about that. if 
if the Patriots were by Cam Newton, you better hope and pray that I'm not yelling for Belichick to lose his job because of poor roster construction. Yes, he spent money in free agency. I give him credit. But how many times have we seen in a recent history of the NFL in which that team has spent money in free agency only for it to fail? It doesn't work often. And that was my concern going into training camp. And I know it's only week four and there's only been three games played. I get all of that. But the results so far have not been good between the three games that have been played against Miami, the Jets, and as well as the Saints last week. And let, uh, Sugar, let's be honest, right? Miami the, and the Jets, those should have been slam dunk wins. Should have. Slam if, dunk wins. Yeah. If not if not for the turnover, I was at the Miami game in week one. I was there. If not for the turnovers, I think the Patriots, in fact, should should have won that game outright. Oh, they, if, if, if Harris doesn't fumble the football at the end of that game, yeah, Mac, Mac Jones completes the game-winning drive. Whether they score a touchdown or kick a field goal, he completes that game-winning drive. They win the game. Mm-hmm. I agree, but here we are. They're they're one and two, mm-hmm. and and I and I've put out my prediction already. I said, listen, I expect the Buccaneers to win this game outright. And I know Patriots fans, so they they're saying that. Well, I think the, I think the Pats going to win this game. I'm like, okay, you tell me how that pass <laughs> defense is going to is going to match up against. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, even though Antonio Brown and Gronkowski are not playing in this game tonight, tell me how that run defense is going to stop um, Leonard Fournette. Please. Enlighten well, me. See, I like – it's funny, though, because I, I like Ronald Jones better than Fournette. I think he's yeah, – Ronald Jones is a stud, yeah. I think his ceiling – I think Jones's ceiling is better than Fournette's because he's – he's. I think he's quicker. I think he's better – like like Fournette is a straightforward, you know – run downhill kind of guy you get ronald jones running side you know you know moving laterally to off tackle and that's tough that's tough it really is and especially considering that and i talked about this last week in my tweets that the patriots run defense has been porous they struggled to stop alvin kamara last week Mm -hmm. whether he was running out of the backfield or he was pass catching i don't know how they're going to be able to figure this 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 key aspect out tonight because I really don't I don't like this like this feeling in terms of the X's and O's. Take out all the pageantry and all that fun stuff out. Yeah. In terms of just pure X's and O's. I don't like this matchup at all for the Patriots. In no. fact, it's a mismatch at quarterback. It's a mismatch on the offensive line. The, the Buccaneers offensive line is better than the Patriots offensive line. And I and I dare any any Patriot fan to challenge me on that and say that I'm wrong through the first three games. Who's no, the Patriots. Off, the Patriots' offensive line has, it. You know, so this is I. I want to get. So this is another thing too. Like, yeah. What's What's really What's really crazy about this season is that what we as Pats fans thought the the strong points of the team were going to be mm-hmm. have been like wildly Weaknesses. underperforming. Like yeah. wildly Weaknesses. underperforming. Like the offensive line we thought was going to be a a a cornerstone of this team. It was going to, the offensive line was going to drive the team, protect Mac, let him do his thing, you know, let him him do his thing. The offensive line has struggled this year. They have, they have, they have struggled. They're, they're going through injuries. The, the linebacking core we we thought would have been 
great in coverage and just, you know, people would not have been able to run against us because of the line, you know, you got Bentley, you got, you know, Hightower, you got, you know, Van Noy in coverage, you got Uche. They, they're allowing like, like 4.2 yards on average per carry in the run game. And then in the passing game, forget about it. The middle of the field has been left wide open, wide, like wide open for teams to just take advantage of. The most shocking thing for me this season has just been the attributes of this team that we thought were the strengths have been wildly underperforming, and it's it's affecting it's affecting everybody. Mac Jones, J- Jones is mm-hmm. I think getting rid of balls too fast and speeding up through his progressions and not letting routes develop because he's worried about getting getting hammered. You know, fifteen mm-hmm. times the kid's getting hit twelve times a game. Oh yeah, and it doesn't help that Mac Jones, if you if you remember from the Jets game, was running for his life. Yeah, like he was running for his life against a Jets team that we often joke about and we make fun of, but that was a pretty solid defense of the Jets that we that they played against the Jets. Yeah, and no, that, that off the offensive line couldn't they couldn't do anything against the Jets front front four front seven they, they were yeah. bad. Like it was it was just atrocious to watch, but. Against oh man, I'm gonna rattle off these next few games that we got coming up after this game in particular because because the more I think about it, the more I am, the more I, the more aggravated I begin to feel because I realize with the problems that the Patriots currently have, and I get that well we just came out of the month of September and Belichick historically has never been great in the month of September with the exception of 2007, but oh my gosh. Listen, we got the Texans, we got the Cowboys, we got the Jets again in week seven, we got the Chargers, we got the Panthers. And, oh, by the way, in week 10, you got the Cleveland Browns. Between the Browns, Panthers, Chargers, Jets, Cowboys, and Texans, which opponent opponent do you honestly feel the best and the most confident about going into that particular matchup? (laughs) It's maybe only, one only, the, only, the Jets and te- only the Jets and Texans. That's yeah, it. Jets. That's it. I agree. One hundred percent. Jets and Texans. That's it. And you know, some, those and other those make- other teams, they're not guaranteed. They're not a guaranteed win. No, they're, not they're, at all. They're they're sixty forty in my opinion for the way that they're playing now. They're they're sixty forty loss. I'd be surprised if the Patriots do um, uh, go by f- above five hundred. But we did talk about it at the beginning of the season. That was the case. We thought it was either going to be like. Nine wins, ten wins, or under. So yeah. it's like it is. It, it is something to think about. Um, to add on to your point, I actually think you're right. I think Bill Belichick, especially the last five years, he's been one of the worst general managers. Keep in mind, he's won like two Super Bowls in that time, been to three, and he's been all oh, six years. He's been one of the worst GMs in the league, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And you can't blame Tom Brady for that. You can't blame anybody for that except for him. Um, and maybe he shouldn't be the GM anymore. Maybe that's a thought. If he can't draft wide, and that's the thing with the, the Patriots too. His strength is the secondary. I think uh the Bucks and defense, the front seven as well. Right. Well, the, well, I think the Bucks, their their wide receivers are gonna eat that secondary alive. So oh, I think absolutely. yeah, I think Belichick's gonna get embarrassed today. And um it's it's uh it is it, it all it, it's hundred percent Belichick. It's not anyone else either. Because it, you're right, it was his stubborn attitude that that pushed Brady out anyway. He, knowing he wanted to play till he was like 45, 50, he gave up on him. 
it is what it is. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta eat. Uh, you gotta um, lay in the bed that you made, right? And you know, JD, I want to add to go to that point. I'm glad you brought this up because I have been the the most harshest critic of Belichick, the GM, mm-hmm. the last the, the last two years. He always gets a pass, though. Like no, oh no, 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 no. Not, not by from me, you, though. Yeah, not, not from you, but everybody else. I've yeah, because I've called Belichick out multiple times on the air. Yeah. As the general manager, I don't, I don't question him as a coach. Right. All, I, all the time, but I pick my spots where I, I tear him apart. But when it comes to the GM, holy smokes! Not good. In 2019, I am never going to forgive him for the fact that you drafted effing Nikhil Harry. In comparison to when, oh, I'm sorry, some guy named DK Metcalf was a, was available oh. in the second round. So, well, look now at look at the ahead go. of him, right? I'm not going to let go. So <laughs> DK, DK, Hollywood Brown, or, or the the receivers that were available, there was I think there was Hollywood Brown, DK Hollywood Metcalf. Brown become a stud, by the way, and like, and, and we don't even talk about him enough when he's doing up with, with Baltimore, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we don't talk about him enough. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's wild. It's it's and where has Harry been? Wild that he know. like the the receivers that were still on the board, and he picked Nikhil Nikhil Harry. Like that that was like that was mind blowing. Like what? what? Like, so mind blowing. Absolutely. Yeah, mind blowing. Why? Like it. It blows my mind because it makes me it makes me so freaking angry when I think about this when I when I talk about this. I have long said that Bill Belichick, the general manager, sucks when it comes to drafting skill position players. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you yes. mean? Skill oh, okay. position. That's exactly what it is. Let, let, allow me to explain. Let's go back to oh man, two thousand ten. 2009-2010. I will give Belichick credit for drafting Julian Edelman. I'll give him credit for that. I'll give him credit for drafting Rob Gronkowski in 2010. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give him that credit. But, man, outside of that, outside of that, your receiving core during those years, I mean, we all remember Robert, Robert LaFell, right? Mm-hmm. And we, yeah, we kind of. <laughs> oh, Brandon, Brandon LaFell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. LaFell. Sorry. Like, yeah, I know him. But yeah. I mean, I mean, goodness grief. We all we all remember um, when Chris Hogan was here. We all remember like a bunch of these undrafted guys, guys that were basically, you know, basically scraps before coming to New England and they arriving here. But when was the last time that? That Belichick had drafted an absolute stud of an offensive weapon in the first round. It was Gronkowski. Yeah, it was. It was. It was Rob Gronkowski. It, it, it was Gronkowski. Ten years ago. It eleven years ago. Eleven years ago. My God. And and it was like, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even getting on you on that. that. Oh, please. That's the least of my worries. Mm-hmm. But but to you guys' <laughs> point, the drafting has been atrocious. Oh, but what about Sony Michelle? Didn't it work out? Yeah, it worked out for one year. No, but listen, one it, year. Twenty eighteen. That's it. He took a risk. <laughs> he, like, I see. I so it's funny you brought Sony Michelle up. Let's go there for a second. Yes, all right, let's go please. there for a second. Okay. So, in my opinion, when you draft a no a first round running back, he shouldn't need 
a fullback in front of him to reach his full potential. <laughs> James Devlin. And, that, and James Devlin did, really did the heavy lifting for him. Well, that's what I'm saying. Devlin, Devlin did all the heavy lifting in that in that really you took James Devlin away from away from Sony Michelle and you truly saw what he really was. He had James he had James Devlin in front of him for that, you know, for most most if not all of that season and you saw what he could do. Yeah. But as soon as you took as soon as you took that blocker that that guy to make the first and you know what he did? He did what Sony Michelle isn't isn't good at. Shook and and JD Sony isn't good at making initial contact and going forward. He he's not he's not a power running back the way that. I mean, he, so you take a guy like a fullback and put him in front of him to take the initial contact, and then Sony can go go off the block. But you took point, him out of that. You took the fullback out of that scenario, and you saw what he really is—a third round running back at best. I, and to that point, man, I hope Patriot fans don't cringe when I say this, but. Doesn't this make you appreciate what Lagara Blount did for us? I was gonna like, bring that up too. in 2014 and 2016 during those Super Bowl yep. runs. Hey, we'll go, we'll go farther back. We'll go even farther back than that, right? We'll go even farther back than that. Corey Dillon. Oh, absolutely. 04. Corey that, Dillon. That 014. What Corey Dillon was those guys were the type of running backs that, that you need that are power running backs, physical, can not, not be afraid to run towards contact and run into the second level, into the second level of the defense. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have that with Michelle. He he was more of a finesse runner. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets contact and then he goes down. He'll average you maybe 3.7 yards per carry. And it's like, what the hell, dude? Like, and that's only if he's spaced out a little bit. That's not exactly. if he's working. Yeah. But if he's not spaced out, if he's running strictly in the box. Yeah. He's not. He's not averaging more than what four and a half yards. Yeah, that's when they call him Blunt. <laughs> but Blunt, um, yeah, right, he's on. a beast. Go ahead, I man. Say- I to, I'm just telling you, we we could go far. Like, I you know, we could just go farther back. Like, like back to the Dylan days. The guy was Kevin Falk. Yeah, yeah. Though uh, he's like Michelle's just not a number one running back. Like a a first round running back. The guy just you don't you shouldn't need help. To reach your full potential, if you're a first round pick in a running back, I I, I agree. And to me, oh man, this, this is why the loss of James White for the season last week is su- it, it basically tells me they're screwed. Huge. They are absolutely screwed in terms of the run game. I am not sorry for what I'm about to say, but expect the run game to be trash for the remainder of the year. Brandon Bolden is not your answer. He's not your answer. And and if. If your answer is Reandre Stevenson, then you get, you have you have worries, you have concerns, because I'm not sold that Belichick did enough to address the run game outside of James White. You traded him to to, to, to uh, not him, but you traded Tony Michelle to the Rams. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. I was surprised, but I was like, okay, I can deal with that. But now you go into the running backs room and you're looking around and you're like, oh damn. James White, he's 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 gone for the season. Who do we have left? Oh, that's right. Oh man, we our options are absolutely limited here. Hmm. I wonder why that is. I wonder. So now, 
what are you going to do in terms of addressing the, the running game situation? And oh, by the way, that that those running backs kind of have to deal with a crappy offensive line. Yep. Yeah. I feel quite <laughs> I feel quite lovely and confident about where this is heading. It's no big deal, right? Like we should this be just fine. fine. <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes, like I mean Ramondi oh Stevenson, Damian Harris, JJ Teller. I mean and Brandon Bolden, does that does that impress any of you guys? Maybe Damian Harris, if he can hold on to the ball. Maybe. At, the beginning of, at the beginning of the season, on paper, it looks pretty good. But from what I've seen so far, it's not, like you said, it's not as impressive when you look at the whole unit. Uh, to add on to your point, though, about um, about Brady and, uh, like, all the, all the, I would say, crap that Belichick put around him, kind of especially the wide receiver position, mm-hmm. let's look at this. Chris Hogan. Went with the Patriots, uh, borderline pro bowler. Leaves Patriots, nothing. He's trash. So he th- that's all Tom Brady. That's all Tom Brady. To me, that's like 99% Tom Brady. Danny Amendola, he hasn't been the same since he left Tom Brady. Oh, same yeah. thing. Has not been the same. There's a ton of guys like this. Like I'd say about half of Tom. Like, if you see the list of receivers that Tom Brady has, has thrown a touchdown to, it's like 140 people or something. It's 120 people. So like – 80 of those people never had any success on any other team. <laughs> it was just Tom Brady was success, yeah. uh, brought him success. So I think Belichick completely did not understand that. I think that, that that went right over his head. He thought like, oh, well, my system must be really, really good. And in reality, he had an incredibly good quarterback. And you know what? Maybe Mac Jones is that guy someday. Maybe Belichick is right. Maybe he can evolve somebody into it. But I think it'll take like five, six years. In the meantime... Brady's going to be winning Super Bowls, so that's my that's my response and my add-on to what you had said. Man, listen, when I tell you that it would, if Brady wins another Super Bowl this year, I'd say if because we obviously know we got a lot of football sure. left from now from now until like freaking January 9th, which is the last day of the regular season. It's a lot of lot of football left. Mm-hmm. If Brady wins another Super Bowl this season, <laughs> now I'm call, I'm I'm like honestly calling for Belichick for Belichick to be let go, and it's and it's funny because locally, and I, in full disclosure, I listen to Felger Mass not religiously because the, those the, those two numbnuts drive me off the wall. <laughs> but, but I really but as, but as a fellow radio host and broadcaster, I respect I respect the hell of what they do. Because they're they're damn terrific at what they do, but Tony Mass made a point on the air in which that he was he was teetering or either teetering or at that point of which that he wants Belichick gone, and I'm like, you know what? I I'm not mad at you. I I'm actually with you, because again, how long are we going to give Belichick the the leash up while he won a six Super Bowls? No, Brady, Brady, <laughs> and also. Parts of your system, the defensive side of the ball, not offense. The offense wasn't you. No. Let's be honest. The first half of the dynasty. The first. See, think, my, you, my opinion you was. Think, you can thank Charlie Weiss for that. Yeah. My, Bill won the first three. Brady Brady won us the second three. Charlie Weiss. Interesting. Charlie Weiss, the offensive coordinator. Yeah. He was good. was creative enough and smart enough to realize this is what you have in Brady. Yeah. But also. <clears throat> Pardon me, but also 
give credit to the guys that we had during the first half of the run, like the Troy Browns of the world, the mm-hmm. legendary yeah. Troy Brown, the yeah. Deion Branches of the world. And we had we talked about Corey Dillon, we talked about Kevin Falk, like we talk about um don't forget Ben Watson. I'll be wrong oh, if, yeah. I, if I didn't mention anything great. about Ben Watson because he was part of that 014. Yep. yep. Like we had those guys and we knew how to use the system to to make it work with Brady. So I give Charlie Wise that. Bill Belichick deserves a ton of credit for the first half of the of the of the dynasty because those defensive teams in 03 and 04, we had the best defense in the NFL with, with, with Teddy Bruschi, <laughs> Willie McGinnis, Richard Seymour, Ty Law, oh, the Hall of Famer. Ted, jo- Ted Johnson. Ty Law. Ted oh my Johnson. God. Ty Law. Like, like, I mean, you gotta give credit where, oh, where, where credit is due. I give him that credit. But the second half. It's Brady. Those that last Brady. three, those last three Brady. are all Brady. Especially Super Bowl 49, the comeback at the time was the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history at the time before 51. But what, what made that more even more meaningful? And the reason why I say it was, and I agree with it, it's Brady, is because think about this. The Seahawks had the best defense in the league for two years in a row. Mm-hmm. If not the best top three, hands down, Beast, no question. Yeah. Amazing. They had the Legion of Boom at its height. You are the they're up. I'm talking about the Seahawks. They're up by ten. If you guys remember the game, oh they're god, up by ten. In that the was an amazing quarter. game. That and was that like... game was absolutely freaking incredible. And that <laughs> touchdown pass from Brady to Edelman, that's Brady. That whole drive was Brady esque. That game was arguably better than the Falcons game because it was oh, back and forth, back and uh, forth, back and forth. Back and forth. Kind of but the Falcons game was the amazing comeback. It was like the story, you know what I mean? But like as far as the game Falcon, goes, the, the Falcons Super Bowl, the Falcons Super no Bowl idea. was th- that second half of the Falcons yeah. Super Bowl was probably some of the most impressive football I've ever watched. It was, it was like by far Brady Brady Brady, Brady Brady took the field on each drive and the guy just simply would not be denied. Like, no. would not – like, him – like, he drove that – like, he drove – just mission. listening yeah. – the, the the mic'd up stuff with him on the sidelines just talking to the guys were just chip away, man. Chip, Let's go. Let's chip go. away. Yeah. Chip away at it, you know. Little by little like, – even down, even twenty-eight to three, him and Jules. I remember, lifted, you know, you you listened to the mic'd up between yeah, the two NFL, of them. NFL films, NFL they NFL, knew, yep. they mm-hmm. knew we're gonna chip away at the, and it was that's that mentality, that attitude is just you don't you don't see you don't see that. Like mm-hmm. the guy is just he would not be denied in that mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Would not be denied. And you you want to know what's amazing about that game in mm-hmm. particular? And what I think about it, like that second half was by far the most incredible football that I watched as a Patriots fan in my life. Not it's not even close. And and this is no disrespect to Super Bowl 38 against Carolina, because that was the best back and forth game that I've seen into in the Super Bowl as a Pats fan by far. Like the most impressive. You talk about 38 against Carolina, the back and forth between. Um, between Brady and Jake DeLome. And, and then when he that was back when on the Panthers, they had Muslim Muhammad and as well as Steve Smith um, at, at, on that. Uh, Ricky Prohl, the, the, tight, the tight end as well. That was a back and forth game, but they, the, the Patriots were never down like a, by a substantial amount. It was just back and forth. The Patriots being a lead, the Panthers being a lead, and so forth. 
But 51, I remember this to this day. Like I was I was here in Boston. Um, it was actually exactly 10 days before I moved here to Boston. And um, I was here on a on it was the last visit for me before I before I moved there. But it was Super Bowl Sunday, and the I remember dart to Gronkowski in that game. Like I wore my Gronk jersey actually the the the, the home alternate reds the, the old yeah, ones. yeah 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 I, I, I which I still have it somewhere. Those are um, I went to whisk the now closed whiskeys in Back Bay, and I was I know there, what you're well, talking about. Yeah. Oh, God, I, I'm, I'm going to miss that place so much. That place is closed because of the closed down because of the pandemic, unfortunately. Yeah. That sucks. Um, so I was walking in back bay and I'm walking down Boylston. And, and at this point, I mean, I'm not sure like if um, if 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 you guys like live in, in Boston or, or greater Boston, I don't know. I'm not going to. I, I, I know. I know it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I walked past on Copley walking towards whiskeys and this nothing but Patriot fans like everybody's in Pat's gear it's like maybe two and a half hours before I kick off and I remember getting there and I was just barely lucky to get a seat at the bar oh, whiskey's wow. back at that time had uh the 25 cent wings and and, I, and it was it was Sunday and it was like oh hell yeah I'm gonna take full advantage I mean it, yeah it may end at nine o'clock I'm talking about the special but I'm not I'm not gonna say no hell yeah give me the <laughs> I'll buy limited on it if I got to so oh. I get there, and the, the game the game kicks off. I mean, we, we all remember the abysmal first half it was. So we so I remember just how quiet it got. It was just quiet, sure. and my eyes start drifting off towards the window that's directly facing Boylston Street, and I'm like, "There's no one. No one was walking based on what I saw. No one was outside walking. It was like it was just quiet. Everybody was inside, whether they were inside the apartment or." apartments or like wherever bar they were at whether they were a back bay social or mm-hmm. or mcgreevy's up the street um not which is right right across i think i believe it's right across from um from heinz convention center so we're all watching the game and now the second half starts and i'm like it's 21 to 3 how worse how much worse can it get and then when atlanta scored and made it 28 to 3 i'm like man this really doesn't feel good. And I just remember feeling, and I remember honestly thinking, man, this is going to be awful. I mean, goodness grief, Brady is about to be four and three in the Super Bowl. And then when when the, when the Patriots scored and, and they made it, and they made it um, 28 to nine. And I remember it like, Gaskowski had missed the extra point and I was pissed. Mm. I was pissed. I'm yelling and screaming like, we did point what the hell you don't <laughs> and then the play that i remember most that change and i and i stand by this to the day that i die is the strip that the sack and the force fumble by dante hightower on matt ryan Ch- change the game that change the game, change the game that was the moment that i that, that i said okay now we have momentum if we can somehow score in this drive after getting the ball back we had a game now, yeah, and they did, and I and I just remember, like the you could feel the excitement beginning to like, begin to really build. It was like, oh, maybe it's not going to be as bad as we thought it was. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had a um a, fa- a, a very close friend of mine, extended family, rather. That's really what he is. He called me. He was watching the game back in New Jersey, 
And he was like, yo, Shook, I know you're in Boston right now, but are you watching this game? I'm like, dude, I'm going to let you listen to the background. He was like, <laughs> you're, you're at a bar somewhere. I'm like, yeah, I'm in Back Bay right now watching this game. Like, and then I remember, ooh, man, I remember when, when, like, when they tied it up and just the explosion of no- you could hear the noise bro the whole the whole the whole like you could hear the city for like it, it Literally, felt yes. like you could no, hear the no city for 10 miles everyone yeah, knew what within, was going to happen after you, they if tied you it. were within 10 to 15 miles you heard everybody screaming when they tied that game up like wherever you were watching the game it was like Oh my <laughs> god, is this really ha- my words were is come. this really happening right now? Is this no way? No way is this really happening? And when they won that coin toss, I said game over. It's, o- it's, it's over. It's over. It was as soon as they won the knew. coin toss. Yeah, all knew. yeah. We're, they're done. They're done. It's done. Brady, Brady. I was like, Brady is not losing this game. Brady yeah. is not losing this game. But then when he when uh when James White ran that ball in for the for the Super Bowl winning touchdown, oh my God! Like my my buddy calls me again and he he has like maybe a fifteen minute del- like I, he's like I had fifteen seconds yeah, so he yeah. kept quiet he just, he just I just want to hear just hear your reaction and we lost it I mean completely utterly lost it and I remember the celebration in like in Back Bay that night was. It was just epic beyond beyond belief because it was like, how did we come back from twenty eight to three down? How we were supposed to be buried, like complete. This game was over. Atlanta's gonna have oh, the yeah. first Super Bowl, the first fun. championship since the nineteen ninety five Atlanta Braves. Like, but man, but I I still remember like trying to walk down Boylston and. It, there was no walking down Boylston. There was yeah. no walking oh, yeah. without, like, without walking into a huge mob of a crowd, like, in Copley and just, man. That's awesome. Just, just thinking about it, it's like, yo, that, that game brought back a lot of memories, like, oh, for sure. So what's what's what was even better, and it was, like, poetic justice, too, man, because, like, mm-hmm. the – the Super Bowl parade for that for 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 the for the Atlanta Super Bowl yeah. was nasty. It was snowing it was out raining, and it, it was cold. it was it like was snow disgusting. and rain and cold, mm-hmm. and a million people came out. Dude, I just remember sitting in a bar. It, we partied for eight hours, it, like eight to ten hours, man. Just sitting in the city, at, like it was incredible it was incredible that was like you could tell like the city like we wanted we wanted that one we 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 were gonna enjoy that one because you know robert Kraft really and i don't mean really put it poetically uh, after receiving that lombardi trophy and i remember his words and you saying that we have gone through a lot over the last uh, 18 months and mm-hmm. I don't need to say anything more about that. That this is unequivocally the, the sweetest. The and, sweetest. And those those words <laughs> stayed with me, like I'm like unquestionably because Brady getting suspended the first four games yep. because of the flake gate, and the fact that he took the fall for that was just asinine in my book. Oh, like, yeah, that was stupid. I can't, and, and, and you know what's funny? In a and, and, and we, I, we live in a city in which that. And as you know, that 
we thrive whenever there's controversy. Mm. But I've I can't remember, and this is before I even moved to Boston. But I was actually following this um, from afar, from from living in New York at the time, like in, in college, like towards mm. the end of my undergrad years, that. The way that the flake gate was covered, I still remember just the vitriol outside of New England and even listening. The to, smear campaign like that the it was. Smear campaign. I, I was listening to Dennis and Callahan back in like the early spring of 2015 and listening to EEI. And, and, and later down the line, it, I also started listening to, to the Sports Hub. And I'm like, they're really trying to make Brady the, the, the scapegoat in all of this. Belichick yeah. wanted no part of it, and it was like, what, he, oh, what he the Bill, hell? Bill tossed it. Bill tossed him. It was bad. He tossed him right under the bus. It was. It was. I got nothing to do with this, guys. I'm. I'm. My hands are. You know, like he. Oh, he tossed yeah. him right under the well, bus. There's many reasons why I don't blame Gronkowski. <laughs> <laughs> you had to bring that up, did you? <laughs> yeah, I had to. I had to throw that out there. I had to pour some gasoline on the fire. But before we talk about that, I think Kevin Stewart had a really interesting comment that maybe we should bring up really quick, if you don't mind. Sure. Absolutely. Just, just the, at least the first one. Um, I'm this just one? imagine. Yeah. That How one. have I not looked at the comments this entire time? Is beyond me. It's like what the heck, man. Th- this is no, got a lot of good comments, but, but go, sorry, this one, I'm this one was interesting. Apology. No, oh, you're God. great. Talk you're about great, man. I'll yeah. be right. I'll be right back. Two minutes. Okay, I just wanted to, yeah, so he says, just imagine. Go ahead, guys. I'll be right back. Okay, sounds good. He says, just imagine Brady would have 10 Super Bowls if not for a dropped interception by Asante Samuel, a dropped catch by Wes Welker, and Belichick dropping the ball by not playing Malcolm Butler against the Eagles. Oh. You see, Super Bowl Fifty Two, and and I'm and I'm oh. I'm glad. Thank you for all of you who are watching this live and and are commenting in the commenting box. I'm going through it right now. It's like, man, this is really amazing. Just reading through the comments and stuff. Everybody watching. But Super Bowl Fifty Two, I have not forgiven Belichick for at all. This was the ultimate. My my Scrooger is bigger than yours. I'm the head coach. Yep. And then the report. Did you catch the report? Um, this that came out this past week. That the reason why Mark Butler did not play yes, was because yes. he got into a little bit of a tiff with, uh, with, 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 with defensive coordinator with Patricia. Patricia. Yeah, like, are you effing kidding me? That's yeah. the reason why. When is the last time that a player gets gets into a tiff with a coach or a coordinator and he still plays? A Pro Bowling starter get into it with Josh McDaniels in 2018 on a size in Buffalo and still played. So what the hell is the difference between 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 uh, Brady and freaking Malcolm Butler, who by the way played ninety seven percent, if not more, of the defensive snaps the entire yes the entire season. yep I, I, that's, like my yeah. god my god I I don't no that was that was by far like that was right there the biggest like magnifying glass that we could all just see. How big Bill Belichick's ego is. How huge. Just like he is like, oh, and Tom, Tom was freaking pissed about that. Because here's the thing. Tom Brady in that game, especially after the game, I'd be extra pissed. Because in that game, he threw for 500 yards. Everyone's like, well, the final interception. I don't care, dude. 500 yards is 500 yards. Exactly. My quarterback is throwing for 500 yards and putting up like almost 40 points on the board. 
and you still lose, and you're the defensive coach. You ain't a defensive the coach. Defense then. got shredded yeah. by a by Nick Foles by Nick effing Foles, my like, third stringer right now. Like, <laughs> and by the way, kudos to the most incompetent head coach in the NFC and Matt Nagy for starting Justin oh, Fields. God. Like, kudos, because <laughs> like. The fact that Nick Foles or, or no, not not Nick Foles, Andy Dutton got the starting nod over Justin Fields is like, huh? Oh, in the huh? beginning, in the beginning, yeah. At the yeah. Beginning of the oh, season yeah, yeah, when Andy yeah. I agree. Got the starting job. You should have just let him. Well, here's what I've said, and I said this in a video too: is is that the Bears we suck. We're we're we we suck. Like the the tackles suck. The corners are young, but they they're not very good yet. Uh, the receivers we got like one that's good. So with that being said. Um, just let just go throw fields out there, win four or five games, let him get his feet wet and and totally wet, like throw everything at him, give him the whole playbook, let him screw up a million times, and then next year draft as many offensive linemen as you can, a couple cornerbacks, maybe sign some guys, give him some weapons to work with, and then say, All right, Fields, this is your year, man. This is it, this is where you prove it. This year was a freaking mess, just a mess. I agree with you 100 percent this was uh, completely bobbled, uh, completely boggled and fumbled this whole year. Um, and I and I have to blame Matt Nagy and a little bit Ryan Pace too. But yeah, I no. But um, going back to the Patriots though, Bill Belichick showed me in that Super Bowl, in the Eagles Super Bowl that we were just talking about, that he has this huge ego, yeah. and and that and that he is willing to, and, and that if you even talk back to a guy. Like, even if you're a, a pro bowler, if you're a top three player on his team, one of the best players on his team, if you talk back to one of his coaches, then, see, this is the problem with his old-school mentality. He's That that Jurassic mindset is going to get him kicked out of the league. That's just, it's just a fact because these are grown men. That's to that point right, right here, right now, because I know that winning masks a lot of deficiencies, especially in the NFL. That's a fact. But I, what I also will say is this. I think regardless of whether the, the Pats win tonight or not, is is beyond is beyond the issue. Yeah, I'll be the first to tell you that it's time to begin to question, has the NFL passed by Bill Belichick? I'm going to bring that as a very interesting question I'm going to put out there. I want all of you. you I, those see, I, it's funny though. You're, it's funny you because I was gonna, I was gonna ask, I was gonna ask you if if you think that that I mean, let's be honest, Shook. The the league's a young man's league, man. It's it's a young man's oh, league. Sean yeah. McVay, Matt Lafleur, Matt Lafleur, Sean McVay, Brian. Ford, yeah, it's yeah, a I'm young man's league. You, you know what I mean? It's a young man's league now. Let's let's be honest. All these young coaches taking over and they aren't and they're succeeding. I was gonna ask like that was I was I was gonna ask you, like, do you think the 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 do you think it's past you think it's past Bill over? Like, do you do you think that's it's his kind of you know, his kind of coaching style it, it won't work anymore? I think it has. And, I, and I'm sure I am ready to set the internet ablaze this morning. If you didn't know who I was before, you're going to know who I am now. <laughs> the, answer oh, to yeah. that, answer, the answer to that question is yes. The league has passed him by. Because here's what's amazing to me. What we used to laugh at other teams 
undoings is literally what we're doing now over yep. the last year and a half. Yep. Literally. Mm-hmm. Look Go at these back. look at these stupid teams making all look these stupid the penalties and getting all these flags. <laughs> look at these stupid teams. We used to Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. I I, I feel you. 100% on that. Like Oh my God! Look at the Rams. Stupid! Why would you call that here? We don't make that mistake. Bleh. Like, oh my gosh, that team was a bunch of morons. They don't know what they're doing. Look at the personnel decisions. Look what they're bringing onto the field. Oh my gosh, we should cakewalk over these guys. Bleh. Like, really? We used to laugh at other teams for twenty something years, and look at us now. You sign Belichick. 90 million tight ends and don't use them. Oh, we, <laughs> we have tight ends, and we're not – not only that we're not going to use them, but we're going to say we can still beat you. We can still kick your ass <laughs> and, and and not use our tight ends the entire game. Like, if that if that isn't the most snarly mentality to have, then I don't know what is. I still well, give Belichick a lot of credit. He is still a good defensive coach. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Can we be honest for a moment? This GMing is bad. It's GMing is horrible. And honestly, I'm really beginning to wonder. So Shook, get this, right? I did some, I did some like digging a little. Well, I did some like calculate, just yeah. looking back on the on the the, the offseason acquisitions, right? Yeah. $101 million out of the what 250, 257, I think he spent. Yeah, $101. So that's like 50% of of the money spent in the offseason was towards the offense, right? Mm-hmm. And to like improve it and make it better. And you spent $87.5 million on two tight ends, and you've thrown to them in four games 13 times. That's it. In Gross four games, you've thrown to them 13 money. times. Gross mismanagement of money. And you want to know what's you want to know what's amazing about that in particular? What's amazing about that is, think about this for a moment. The Patriots spend, as you mentioned, what, $87 million on two tight ends, correct? Mm-hmm. Yet, and I don't mean yet, even Hunter Henry and John o. Smith are not enough to eradicate the issues that they have on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And what blows my mind is, is that, and it's funny because, oh man, because I was talking about this um, this past week, spending money in free agency doesn't guarantee anything. And I want to bring up a low, an even bigger point now. If you remember the interview that Robert Kraft did, I believe it was with GQ back in March. And he talked about how he was willing to spend the money, but he was not yes, happy. Yes, yes, yes. He, he said it better. He said he had had it better work. He said it better work if I spend this money. <laughs> because here's the thing. My thing became this. Hey, maybe if you had a more competent general manager that were better drafting, you wouldn't have to spend that amount of money. Period. You, if you if you want further proof around the NFL, I'm, I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna make this case. I'm willing to go Buffalo. Look at what Buffalo did through the draft. 
mm-hmm. the biggest one drafting Josh Allen, and that that dude is a stud. Like he, he may have gotten to oh, future, a little bit future of a, top five quarterback in the league. Yeah, top he, five. He may have gotten to a little bit of a slow start, but that's kind of like part of like the, like the ups and downs of being a young quarterback in this league. But Josh Allen's a stud, no mm-hmm. question. You look at what Kansas City did, drafting Patrick Mahomes, and then the, the, we'll look at what Andy Reid and and in the front office surrounded surrounded him with, like during his time while in Kansas City. Oh, also, Seattle, they had a tisk between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll said, hey, you know what? We're going to invest in you. We're going to invest into this team. It wasn't through free agency. It was no, the they draft. Tra- do the draft. But the belt, but the Patriots, the smartest team, the smartest team in the room, Belichick. The self-proclaimed smartest guy out there can't get the most basic fundamental aspect of football right. You need receivers to win. I mean, holy smokes. We've never spent that amount of money ever in any free agent year. Not even the 2011 Philadelphia Eagles, one of the colossal examples of what goes wrong when you spend a lot of money in free agents and it doesn't work. Yeah. Like, that is a prime example right there as to why the idea that the Patriots spending money was such a great thing is actually false. That tells me that your drafting has been bad. Look at your receivers. Look at at your receivers. Look at your tight ends. Look at your, your offensive line. I'll give you some leeway, just some. Because they got it right with David Andrews, they mm-hmm. got it right with um with, with with Trip Brown, they got it right with um with there's a there's another one that just left um that just left the Patriots. Tooney, Tooney left. Yeah, Joe Joe Tooney. Thank you. They got it right with those guys. Matt Light. Matt Light is another one. Yeah. Logan Mankins. Yeah. Well, they let Mankins walk too. You didn't have a choice. I know. I know. But that was part of the 2014 season, if I remember correctly. Like, he was left with absolutely no choice. Yeah. But again, I was crazy due to Belichick. Belichick, it's always, it's always seems to come back to him. You know, it's, it's always the culprit in these situations. Well, let's be honest, right? With the Patriots, Shook, we know, me and you know this. The buck stops with Bill. It's, it does. It's, the and buck stops with Bill. It's him. That's going to change. Maybe it has. If to, no one yeah. else in Boston Sports Radio is, is screaming that, I'm going to start screaming that this week. That's got to change. Bill has got too much power, and when you get, and there's an old saying, there's an old saying that that, that, my, that, that my folks that my family members used to teach me. Pigs get fat, hogs get hogs slaughtered. Get slaughtered. Hogs get yeah 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 yep. Bill Belichick is that hog, and he is on his way somewhere in the meat factory that is the NFL on his <laughs> way to getting slaughtered. I love that. I love that like, analogy. I want I want all of you who are watching and is going to be listening to this later on or whether if you listen to this now, I heart radio put that on an effing Billington board somewhere. Hogs get slaughtered, pigs get fat, and Bill Belichick is somewhere in the meat meat factory getting ready <laughs> to get slaughtered. Especially if this team has another lackluster year, the way that the things are, are trending right now in down in Foxborough. Well, just you have to like think about it, right? I think they spent two hundred and fifty million in the offseason. And if they go if they go under five hundred, Shook, that's a 
He's got to go. That's a this bad not look. Even, that's not even off a debate. That's a bad look. So if they go under 500, you're saying I'm he done with Belichick. He got to go. Wow. I know that he drafted Mac Jones, but can we stop acting like can I throw one more? Can I throw one more kind of so is it Bill or is it Josh McDaniels? Not know like so. Let me ask you this, Joe. Did Brady did Brady make Josh McDaniels' job easy over the years? Because now that he actually has a rookie quarterback, he he's actually got to work now. He's got to work at his job and actually be an offensive coordinator. Brady was like a coach in pads on the field, you know. Like, yeah. Did All did Brady make Josh's job time. easy? And now he's now he's like, oh shit! Now I actually have to do my job and work at yeah. stuff now. I think I think so because, as you mentioned, Brady was that coach. Like, whereas, I don't know if you guys heard about this or or or, or heard about this in the past. But during training camp, when Brady was was here in New England, what he used to do is he used to quiz running backs and receivers. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. As yeah. to if I call an audible and I change the play at the line of scrimmage and I and I and I'm running um an in, in, in and out, what's your responsibility? He used to do things like that mm-hmm. just to see if they knew what their responsibilities were. That made him look really good. <laughs> they don't have that no more. So now yeah. McDaniels has got to coach these guys. And as well as Belichick, he's actually got to put in the work. He's actually got he's got to do a lot better in terms of trying to get these guys to understand the play. Because I've always said this. Veterans who come to New England have always historically struggled to do well. Because yeah. it's a combination of factors. The system, the culture, and as well as the ability to be able to understand and apply the playbook, which is a very complicated playbook at that. Oh, it's been proved. It's been proven. It's a fact that the Patriots have the most complex, not, Mm -hmm. not the most complex playbook, but what, what makes the Patriots offense and defense most complex is the, at the line of scrimmage calls. Mm -hmm. If they audible out of something, into a different play everybody needs to be on the same page when they audible and that's what that's what that's what gets these these guys that come in is they can't process that fat that fast and that and and that's part of the issue I, i don't i don't blame the players and here's why the reason is because if you watched them before they even came to new england they they knew what they were doing Mm-hmm. Right. They knew they knew what was the what the responsibility was on a given play. But now you're asking them to run that play and oh by the way, audible, 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 kill, kill, kill. Yeah, yeah. And you're expecting them to like, wait, what 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 are we doing? Are we are we are we running um a, a, a three receiver, one tight end set? Are we running a two receiver, two tight end? Like what what are we <sighs> It is it is just exhausting just even thinking about it and talking about it. but you can only imagine when you have to actually go through that and warp speed. Yeah. Man, it's it's a it's a tough adjustment. It really is. I, I what what um what makes me think about like everything that's going on with the Patriots uh is is that um with Tom Brady, 
you you kind of alluded to it earlier. He quizzes people. He makes sure that everyone's in the right spot. Yeah. Now you got a rookie quarterback. So all of the meta game is gone. You have yeah. to coach the meta mm-hmm. game now. You have to coach the meta. And it's not Mac Jones's fault. Mac yeah. Jones could be the could be Trevor Lawrence. He could be the most talented guy in the draft. Doesn't matter. You still have to coach the meta game because he's 22 Absolutely. years old. So mm-hmm. that I think that uh, McDaniel's and Belichick might have they gotten a little bit too comfortable. They they got a little bit too you know. And, and when when Tom and, and this is the thing with Tom, he just wanted to be this equal voice in the room. He wanted to walk in the room with Kraft and with uh, McDaniel's and with uh, Belichick, and he wanted to be like, all right, all right, what's up, guys, and be able to just talk with them. But Belichick kept trying to little bro and oh no, you're a player. Get your pads on. Get in the locker room. Get out of here, man. Even though McDaniel's is what four years older than him. And he mm-hmm. treats McDaniel's like he's oh he's the smartest guy in the world. I would argue that Tom Brady's probably a better offensive coordinator than Josh McDaniel's is, and, and there's no disrespect to him because I know McDaniel's had success with Orton and hey what's up Cat uh, with Orton and with uh, <laughs> and with uh, a little bit with Tebow not very much yeah. and tons with Brady. But well, Tom look at what Brady, Brady did is... with Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians exactly. tried to run that run and gun offense, oh, yeah, and then exactly. and then Brady stuffed him in a locker and was that's like, uh, "Nope, we're gonna yeah. run it this way." And that's the what they I took off. Do. <laughs> and it works. The possession offense that they run now is it's perfect, and they do have that over the top game too because they have the talent for it. So Brady has everything that he like yeah. ever wanted and needed in, in the box. He deserves this. He was he set up perfect when he went there. It was, it was. Insert Tom Brady win Super Bowl. That's what it. That's what it was <laughs> down in Tampa. But they had. But, but see, don't forget, he had to go through growing pains. Yeah. Oh yeah. Last season, I oh, was the saying, first five weeks for the first five weeks for Tampa did not look good last year. No, not at all. And I was saying that at the time, I'm beginning to wonder: Is this coach quarterback relationship salvageable? Can this work between? Bruce Arians and his style of calling Brady out in the media and Tom Brady being the player that he is, because he never fit, he never went through that before with Belichick. I mean, Spygate, eh, yeah, maybe. Mm. But after a game, no. That, you, he never experienced anything like that because that wasn't Belichick's style. So, so, like, I was really among those who were beginning to wonder, is this really a, a, a good fit? Yeah, ready to go down to uh, to Tampa work with Bruce Arians, but also in the back of my mind, I just I kept saying to myself, Brady left left his ex wife of twenty years. Yeah, he's now down in Tampa with with the new girlfriend. It's you're gonna have early relationship clunkers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only way that relationship's gonna work is if you work through those clunkers, and that's it. And, and he ultimately did. And now, guess what? He's got a ring. Yeah, he's got a <laughs> ring to show for it. Well, and that's the thing. Brady is – we can't – I just wish people would stop trying. Like, I, the, like all the chat rooms, everyone sounds so stupid when they try to, like, uh, throw rocks at the throne and try to, like, denigrate what Brady has accomplished. Yeah. This is incredible, man. He's got three rings more than the next best guy. He's got one Three more, more. Actually, he's got he's got one more ring next more than the next franchise. Was got the next the- franchise? Well, just the, like unreal. So uh, to me, the like crowning moment was the twenty-eight to three. It's like, dude, uh, yeah, that was the, the guy scored. Moment. The guy scored twenty-five points in eighteen minutes. 
and orchestrated the greatest. Like there, there was no argument after that. There was no argument. Yeah, if you no, argued, no matter what argument you ever came no. up with, and then he le- so he leaves the franchise. He leaves the Patriots through the. He goes through a pandemic off season, right? Pandemic off season. You don't get to do half the stuff you're supposed to do in a regular off season, right? He's he does it anyway. He was on a high school field. Yeah, but he listen, does it anyway. So he, don't you up. don't get to do half the stuff you, you do in a regular off season, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes into a brand new team, the losingest franchise in NFL history, and tells them unreal, and leads them to a freaking Super Bowl. Which and not only that, right? So not only does he win the Super Bowl, but he beats three Super Bowl teams on the yeah. way to the championship. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, like, and who else? There's no it? any argument that you can come up with that he's not the GOAT is invalid. Yeah. Seven for ten in the Super Bowls. And he seven for ten. And he could like, easily have ten. And he, he could easily have okay. ten. Yeah. The don't even get me started on the two Giants ones because they hurt my soul. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I got, I, got one, I got one better, actually. 2006 AFC Championship. If we don't collapse and blow that 21-3 lead. The the Broncos? Against- no, no, no. 2006. This is against Indy. Peyton Manning's first Peyton Super Bowl. Peyton Manning's Super Bowl win. Oh. It'll probably be the Bears, too. I swear. <laughs> Pat, is it, your reaction is literally the microcosm of pa- a Patriots nation when it comes to that season. We really forget... That AFC title game, mm-hmm. I think, was the worst loss of the dynasty by far. And, and by far in terms of championship play. And mm-hmm. here's why. You're up 21-3. to three. You've owned Peyton Manning. And by the way, for the younger audience watching, this yeah. is when Peyton Manning was at the peak of his powers. He was ridiculous. Yeah, this was, the, this like, was this peak, peak Brady. This was peak Brady With Tony v, Dungeon. v Peyton, yeah. This is like, the greatest. We're up 21-3. Uh, and that fourth, oh, that fourth and one. Oh, that fourth and, fourth and one. Oh my! <laughs> the fourth and one. Oh, I just want to take man. my hat off and, and freaking throw this shit. Like just thinking about. Oh my god! Oh my! I'm sorry. It happened more than once <laughs> too against the Colts too. That's the thing. It happened like it, like three, four years after that too. But I that one was the most notorious. That was just like the oh shit. I gotta find my hat. Belichick, yeah, he's he's been known to do that though. Like this oh, isn't gosh. the first time Belichick did that. And yeah, and I mean. It is what it is. Oh, man. Like, I have to get my hat. Like I'm. That just gave me a bad flashback. Very yeah, bad yeah, flashback. Yeah. Like, oh, oh I, me too. That Super Bowl was painful. That whole Super Bowl was painful. I mean, we like, on, this- I, listen, Super Bowl, Super Bowl forty one. <laughs> oh my gosh, I still remember to this day the greatest kick returner. That the world has ever seen, Devin Hester, Hall of Famer, Hall of Surefire Hall of Famer. Let's go. And my first thought was during kickoff because I remember it was oh, Benetary who was with Indy at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have one job: don't kick it to Devin Hester. Literally, kick it to this. Kick it to the end zone for a touchback. That's all you got to yep. do. No problem. <laughs> Devin Hester catches it, and my mind says. No. Once he got past that first it. layer of blocks, <laughs> all knew he I'm like, doing. nah, he, he's gone. He's, he's gone. gone. <laughs> and I'm just like, if they lose, if the Colts lose the Super Bowl, I'm going to point back to this moment. You morons did not reach the Goku Scout this week. 
What the hell were you thinking? They didn't punt. They didn't punt to him the whole game, though. They were just like, "Never mind, we're not yeah. doing that." <laughs> Never well, mind. They, that's, dude, it's he. He ran that one back, and it, they were like, "Okay, yeah, maybe we shouldn't kick to this guy." Dude, like he was the <laughs> he was one of the only guys for real. They were just like, "Never mind, screw that. He's too fast." Uh, he was one of the only guys ever. Like Deion Sanders is another one, and uh, Josh Cribs. But like for like a good four year, five year window, people wouldn't even like. People are like, well, he only had like this many touchdowns. It wasn't that much more than Deion Sanders, you know. But it's like, dude, people wouldn't kick to him for four years. It's and like the, the – what were you going to say? The year that he set the record. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, he was incredible. Yeah. He had like eight or something, seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it was like and it was like, if you're going to kick to him, kick to him at your own peril. Yeah. And I I remember this this one instance. I remember correctly. I think it was like he had a 102-yard – <laughs> um, I, I kick off return like something long, so, oh, something that is no, I think it was the 105. I think it was the 105. Was the, yeah, that was the one I was a little it was 105, yeah, 105 <laughs> oh yard God. kickoff return. It was like everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong in terms of just if you went back and watched, watched that clip on YouTube, yeah, like the way that the way that the special teams literally broke down for the kicking team, like, oh, we're gonna get this guy, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, right. Okay. You can't get him. He's too fast. The he's, craziest he's part about that fast. year when he broke the record for most kickoff returns was he yeah. was at like four for the season. Mm-hmm. And they were still kicking, still kicking to, to him. To him. <laughs> then the next year, people were just like, nope, nope, not anymore. And then like, I remember they did like twice and he got two touchdowns. Well, one of the yeah. coaches was mic'd up like, and he dude. said, I'd rather kick it out of bounds and take it at the 40 than, than kick to the guy. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's just a testament to how freaking terrible the Bears offense was. We had the ball at the 40 like half the time, and we still sucked. Rex Grossman. Like, Rex Grossman. And, 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 and having freaking Jay Cutler as your quarterback will do that to you. I'm sorry. Well, if we had Jay Cutler during the Super Bowl, like that that Hester Super Bowl time, we probably we might have actually had a better chance. But when we had Jay as like our premier guy, when he was relied upon, he wasn't that good. Oh, he, 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 he wasn't he that left. Listen, he left Picards faster than you can say hello. Like, yeah, and, for, and for those and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Picards is a legendary Chicago deep dish pizza spot in Chicago that I strongly recommend. Go check out if you ever been, if you ever been to Chicago. You, so, he still he gets a lot of love down there. Believe it or not, why? I why? Don't, he does. He's he goes to he gets interviews. He goes to bars. People buy him drink. No, he gets a lot of love in Chicago. You'd be shocked how for much that, love Jay Cutler gets. That contract and how disappointing he was in in big he's moments. Technically, the best. He's technically the best quarterback we've ever had. So it's like our self esteem is so low. It's like it's like the abusive girlfriend and stuff. Like, well, she was still the prettiest girl that we ever that we ever had. It's like, holy shit, dude, we're so bad. We're like a battered wife. Unbelievable. <laughs> like the Bears could get linebacker right, Khalil Mack. I mean, that still is one hell of a trade that they that they pull oh, up yeah. with, with 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 the then Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, they can get uh, who else? Yeah, li- I mentioned linebacker Mike Singletary. Did Buckets Roquan they can get Smith. that right? Like great draft pick, yeah, yeah. Mike Singletary, yeah, like, but they can't get the quarterback right, and that and never can. And well, let's be honest, right? Shook, Fields is the we, guy. I, we all know, is. we all know. I think the is. most important position on is. the field is the quarterback. 
Oh yeah, it's so important. Oh, he could be replaced. No big deal. Okay. Unless bye. you're unless you're Trent Dilfer, <laughs> and, unless you're Trent Dilfer, and you have the 0-4 Bucks defense. Oh God. <laughs> really quick, I just want to say something about Matt Nagy and Justin Fields. Then yeah, I go ahead. Shut up about it. But like, no, no, no. Ahead, the thing I the thing I want to say about it is like, what Matt Nagy pisses me off about it is like, we can't be afraid to fail. Okay, like Justin Fields, we can't just be petrified. Like every time he makes a mistake. Yeah, like you're being way too conservative right now. Throw him out there. Like he's already out there now. So just leave him out there. Just let him get eaten up a million times. If he gets hurt, hopefully not. He doesn't get hurt. But like if he gets hurt, yeah. then you put in the backup. But just let him just trial by fire, dude. If we win four games, who cares? Next year he'll have like Peyton. People forget, man. Peyton Manning sucked his rookie year. People were calling oh, yeah. him a bust. And then he goes on to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So let him suck. Let him fail. Let him get some chemistry with some guys. Let him feel it out and tell the coach what he likes and build the offense around Fields. I don't want the Fields to be building the offense around Nagy. Screw Nagy. He's expendable. I don't care about Nagy. Sorry, I just dropped something. I don't care about Nagy. I don't care about him. I care about Justin Fields. That was one of the greatest draft picks we've ever had, in my opinion, as far as the potential. So, I yeah, I we need to do that. We really do. Whew. This, this, uh, listen, it's it is going to be something to watch. Um, Justin Fields. I'm like, listen, you got to get rid of um, Matt Nagy because I will tell you this now. And <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's I love good. that. <laughs> <laughs> that will be me later we'll today at Gillette Stadium, pissing <laughs> on a Buccaneers flag. Like, hey, thank you for taking all leftovers. You, you, Thanks for you, taking you, leftovers. Yes, you, des- you desperate scraps of heel. You took our leftovers. You got yourself to <laughs> rank. Congratulations. Congrats. Oh man. But no, but back to, back to the point I was making. Um, this is why the head coach in the NFL and the quarterback match marriage is so effing important. There's a reason Vital. why it is everything. And if I'm the Chicago Bears. I'm letting Matt Nagy go. Get someone who's offensive-minded. Get someone who can work with the quarterback. And someone like some, someone like Frank Reich would have been perfect to work with Justin Fields. But, yeah. oh, by the way, oh, by the can way. I, can I throw an interesting name out if that I think that yes. I think Chicago should go after? Kellen Moore from the Cowboys. I got another one, but, I, but let's talk Moore? about that first. The offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. <sighs> He's a calling little young for Dak, for calling plays for Dak. I like the play calling, but I don't know how much of a coach he can be. That's no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying. Yeah. I'm not saying coach. I'm saying offensive coordinator. Oh God, yeah. I mean, simply he, I, offensive I, coordinator. Absolutely. No yeah, head yeah, coach. Fucking, just just was, have Kellen Moore call the plays. Coach, I was like, give him the key to the city. No, 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 no. I don't want him as a head coach. I'm saying Kellen Moore to call the offensive plays for for the Bears. I got another one floating for you. Go ahead, JD. Jim Harbaugh. You think you're going to be at a prime away from college at this point he, in the stage? They hate him. Michigan keeps talking crap Michigan about him. Michigan is a, a perennial disappointment. Well, <laughs> they he brought him to recruit, yeah, yeah, and they yeah, can't even Chicago. win 10 games a year. He's had more success in the NFL than in college. So true. come back to your old team and finish what you started here. Because Jim Harbaugh, he was actually really – I'm pretty sure he got, like, a serious injury. He was actually really – he was maybe one of our best quarterbacks. Then he got hurt, and he bounced around the league, had to had to move on from him. But he can come back 
be that screaming, get in everyone's face and stuff, yell at the defense, and then calmly, nice talk to Justin. Hey, Justin, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> I loved when he did that. It was the best thing. He'd be like, he'd be in the 49ers, be <laughs> throwing shit, and he'd walk over to Alex Smith. Hey, Alex, how you doing? Hey, hey, Colin, what's up, buddy? I love that. I, that that demeanor, I love that as a, in a head coach. He's got oh, so yeah. much like alpha in him. So I would love, I would love Jim Harbaugh. I thought about it a lot. All right, so before we move on to a next to some baseball and me and shook bust the boxing gloves out and probably fight each other on this one. But... Oh, I'm ready. I, I, this, is day, <laughs> this is the day for it to happen. <laughs> but, uh, so like closing arguments for the, for, for tonight, man, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a war tonight. It, it's going to be like, I hope it's a close game. Yeah, oh, dude. I, with, the injuries to the Bucks defense and their corners and stuff like that. And then you take Gronkowski out, you know, the safety blanket for Brady. I just, my hope for tonight is I want to see the Pats compete. I don't want to see them get their doors blown off because shook. Let's be honest. If they get, if they get their doors blown off of them, the media is going to eat that young kid alive. They're going to, they're going to be all these, all these narratives, all these narratives are going to come out that are just going to be like hollow. And they're just like, I don't want to listen to Boston media if they get their doors blown off. Cause it's going to be like that for, for two weeks straight. Oh God. Yeah. Like, and, and this is not to follow Mac Jones, which is why, which is why I mentioned on yesterday's radio program here in Boston that Mac Jones is not your problem. You no. know, and I mean that he really is not your problem at all right now. Your problem, your offensive line sucks, your running game is atrocious, and your defense, which was supposed to be the, the strength of this team this year, you brought back Kyle, Kyle Van Noy, and as well as Dante Hightower came back after opting out of the 2020 season. They've been disappointments. Harry, Harry, uh, uh, Harry Houdini, otherwise known as Dante Hightower. Just, just, just real quick. Your best defensive player so far through the first three weeks, you can make a case that it's Matt, Matt Judon and J.C. Jackson. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's definitely Judon. It's def Judon and Ju- yeah, Judon for sure. He's he's yeah. made the biggest influence on on the field for defense. And uh, by the way, um, I is it looks like it says I Chicago eleven ninety says Eric Bieniemy. The fact that Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten a job yet makes me. I'd be okay mad. with that. In a I'm sorry, I just cursed just now, but like, like seriously, it makes me mad yeah, that he's not a little weird. That he's not a head coach yet, right? It's atrocious. Yeah, it I don't really understand is. that either. There's a lot of there's a lot of people like I agree with you. No, there's a lot of a lot of positions. I was like, why did Bieniemy go there? That's strange as hell. So I, I don't like, know what's up with the NFL. Put Bieniemy but... on the Jags. Oh I, no! 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 I mean, I nope, feel like that's nope, a setup for failure nope. for him. That's a rest, that's a setup for yeah. disaster. Nope. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, if he, if he had everything around him, if he had some like, if he had Urban Meyer type of power, maybe he could. I, I don't know. I've never seen the enemy be a head coach. I know he's a good coordinator, though. That's the thing. Great, if no, I no, know no, you're no, a good great. coordinator, I want to see what you can do as a coach. What's that? Great, not good. Great. Oh, yeah. A, exactly. The enemy. The enemy is a offensive. The guy's a ge- the guy's a genius. Yeah, he's a champion. I mean, there's no question. He's a great he's a great player or a great uh, coordinator. No question. So I, I'd love to see him as a coach. And we've seen Matt Nagy as a coach. So I, you know, hey, I'll <laughs> I'll trade another Andy Reid guy for I, I'll swap him. I don't give a crap. I'm gonna give Matt Nagy back to KC. 
I mean, listen. Go, but going back to the Patriots of tonight's game, I think that um, it is going to be. Ooh, it. I just hope it's a competitive game. Like that's all you can ask for. Because I absolutely would hate, and I'm going to emphasize this. I would hate that it's 35 to 10, and all it is is just a massive Brady Schnoozer massage. And by schnoozer, you fellas know what I mean. You all can figure that out what I mean. I'm, I'm keeping it PG throughout the entire <laughs> NBC broadcast. Because I'm going to get annoyed and I'm going to tweet about it. Like, why are we, why are we massaging uh, Brady's, um, Brady's ego? Like, his TV 12 uh, method has worked quite well. And here's Chris <laughs> Collin, Collinsworth's voice like, you know, Tom Brady has found a way to keep his keep his <laughs> success going in Tampa Bay after leaving New England, and, and Bruce Arians, the head coach, we talked with him this week, and it's and it's been nothing but praise for. I don't want to hear that. So right. here's a guy well, who really the, takes care of. Can we agree that Collinsworth is probably the most annoying person on? Oh God, right replace now. him. No, I, no, no, no. It used to be Pierre Maguire, but no. I, I used to hate Phil Sims, and, and, and nothing against him personally. But just yeah, but as a broadcast, we used to be paired with Jim Nance. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I wanted to go to sleep. I literally wanted to sleep when they were talking. I was like, I, I, you're like my grandpa. Like, I don't want to listen to you. I'm sorry. Um, and and yeah, Tony Romo is ten times better. It's it's crazy. He's just like he's like, oh, let's go, but let's go. You know, Jim, he's just so excited about everything. So I, you know, I like that a little bit better. Um, shoot, I, yeah, Chris Collinsworth, he's not that bad. He's just like. All the idioms he has, like "here's a guy," and then you know he's <laughs> such <laughs> he's so predictable. <laughs> but yeah, that, um, as far as tonight, though, I'll, I'll give my I'll give my final take on it. Sorry. Um, here's what I'll say. I got the I got the Bucks. Um, I think that the Gronk injury. I think that if he was 150 percent, he'd be here. But if he's 98 percent, he's not here. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't he doesn't want to go back to 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 Gillette. He's not interested in coming back. Well, to I, I think he, he knows the reception. Booed. He's, he knows the reception. Oh, yeah. He's going to get are because of the way he, because of the way he's going to, he, his ass is going to get booed, booed like mercilessly for the way yeah. he left. So let's talk about that really quick before we move on to anything else. I just want to, and then I'll talk about the bucks really quick, but like, so like Gronk, when he left, so, so here's his mentality. He wants, he wanted to be Brady's tight end. From the tight, he started to the day he retired. He he realized that like shortly after his career started. He that's his mentality. So he's banged up. He's kind of like you know he's barely making it through training camp, and he hears rumors that Bill Belichick wants to trade him to the Detroit Lions. Okay, he hear, the Detroit Lions. And so he's like, dude, you man, like I've done, I've been a beast for you. I've won you four Super Bowls or no three. I've helped you win three Super Bowls, and I was injured one. But okay, so th yeah. two Super Bowls at least. You got to give me some more respect than that. That's some crap. So I I agree. Like you should at least if you're Gronkowski, and also not to mention Gronkowski has also taken pay cuts. Gronkowski in the open market could have made probably double than what he made at the Patriots. Yeah. So that's why I understand why Gronkowski was just like you know f you guys. I don't need you guys. But at the same time, I do understand why Patriots fans were like, man, you shafted the crap out of us. Because they see it like you screwed the fan base, and he sees it like I screwed Bill Belichick. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. yeah. So that's where I kind of like see Gronk. But um, I think that if he was there, it'd be a lot worse for the Patriots. I think the Patriots have a much better chance now 
to compete in this game because Gronk is not there. What's your thoughts on that? I think I think there's definitely some truth to that. Um, but I will also say that the Buccaneers are still going to be like very dangerous, regardless oh, yeah. whether, whether like Gronk is in the game or not. So yeah, it kind of like lessens the blow just a little bit, but not by much. Especially like we know how Brady uh, is in these big games and these big matchups, and yeah, and that for me is like, yeah, he's he's amazing. I mean, he he knows when to lock in, and he's going to be if his. I think the Patriots will be a little bit extra emotional too. This will be a very emotional game. I'm gonna be watching every minute of it. I'm excited Same. because this is gonna be an emotional game. I think a lot of the defensive guys um, are gonna be. Like, man, we played doing practice for you. Well, how many of them are still like, what is it, like four or five of them are still kind of from that Super Bowl era with Brady? Maybe like six. Is that not right between four and six? Yeah. Four and six. Yeah. Something like that. So those guys are going to be extra fired up. I'm like, man, we saw you in practice for years. We won a Super Bowl together. You left us, even though there may be, I don't know. It's It'll be interesting to watch. That's all I can sure. say. Sure. It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, well, uh, any what, what else do you think about this game? I think also, um, it's going to also come down to it's going to come down to the battle of the secondaries. I agree. Yes. Remember, the Bucks they signed Richard Seymour this past week, so I think it's going to be interesting to see like how both secondaries are fair in this game, and I want to see like how Richard Seymour. Um, does um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think he's, play, he's playing tonight, is he right? Richard Sherman, yeah, he's uh, oh, Richard, oh, well, is Richard he gonna Sherman. play? Let me check actually. Anymore. Uh, Patriots on the mind, right? <laughs> Richard <laughs> Sherman, uh, status tonight. Uh, Sherman's yes. playing today, yes, he he's is. Playing. He's yeah, playing, so, he, so he's playing today. So that's going to yeah. be another element that he's going to have to. Oh, when I say he, I'm talking about Matt Jones is going to have to contend with. Like, so that's going to be something that I, I think is going to be uh, really interesting. Um, so he's third in the death chart. He's third. Mm-hmm. Evans, which Godwin, is, Brown versus Aguilar, more, um, Bourne, and uh, Jacoby, Jacoby Myers. Titan is a wild card for both teams. Running back is even to me. No, it's not. Running back advantage, Buccaneers. I would give them the advantage because I think the offensive line is better. I like yeah, Tristan. That, that, that makes the world of yeah, a difference. That's that's the difference. Oh, yeah. JD, go go ask um, Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas. What a good offensive line does oh, for God. a back. Man, yeah, exactly. And that's but, now they want to scat back exactly. because because they don't have enough space for Zeke. Yeah, now they want to now they want uh, what's his name Pollard because they want yeah because mm-hmm. he doesn't have enough space. And you want a guy who can get three or four yards, and and Zeke wants to go home run ball. Yeah, it's 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 not working out for. Uh, mm. Well, it is because Dak's doing well. It is because Dak's a good player. If he wasn't good, that would be a disaster. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I anyway, apologize well, for the interruption, guys. I opened my fridge this morning, right, and I was like, "Hey, that's a that's a couple hot wings right there. Those are pretty good, right?" So I ate those two hot wings. I was just like, "Chomp." chomp you know munch them down and then i drank a large dunks iced coffee and i was like like 15 20 minutes later i was like my stomach my stomach had to tell me that's a bad idea you shouldn't have done that 
10 seconds. <laughs> I'm telling you, you had the bubble guts. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, I, that, like that half happens. Half hour fast. into the show, I was, my stomach was like, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I don't know what you were thinking, but that was. That, but oh, we were supposed to live a life full of bad ideas, you know. Man, I could probably do that when I was 21, but now. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> oh god. So Shook, let's let's uh let's jump into some baseball, man. Yes. Into the MLB. Hmm. Um let's take it but let's go rewind a little bit to the Red Sox and Yankees series, right? When they when they played each other. Um I went into that series going saying that that Whoever like this series is going to play a massive, massive role in what happens in the postseason. Like this, this could mean this series could mean someone gets in or someone is left on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean that, like it turned out that yeah, that was there was a lot of weight, you know, a lot of weight going into that that series. Um, the Yankees ended up absolutely sweep just taking care of business and sweeping the socks and they did it um they did it on the the uh, the, the heels of the once again the 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 socks bullpen just lets them lets them down the perfect example was was the sunday that sunday night the last the final game they it was a really good game into mm-hmm. the 7th inning and then yeah. garrett garrett richards takes the mound and it just falls apart at the seams um, I just want to get your your thoughts on that. That's because I think the Yankees, through that series, just little by little, man, have been building momentum headed into the. Don't you scratch my green screen? Uh oh. Um, have had you know they were just building like throughout that series, just building momentum into the into the postseason. It was for them to sweep the Sox was massive, m- massive. No question. It, no, no, it, it was. And at the time, I was thinking, well, Lisa looks like that we're go- we're going to be the ones that's going to be hosting the, uh, the the American League wildcard game. But I'm not going to talk smack, and I was like, I, I I was planning to, but I, but I'm not going to I, at all actually because we haven't had a day like this, and I want all of you who are watching and listening to really. Think up, think about this with me for a moment. Yes, Chris Sale is in fact starting today. That's not a, I guess, that's a fact. He is in fact starting today, and it must win. We have not had a day like this to end the regular season since September twenty eighth, two thousand eleven. Yeah, if you if you all remember that final, that fateful final day of the two thousand eleven Major League Baseball regular season, the best night. In baseball history, bar none, this is it. This is it here. There's a reason why all of the games today are starting at 3 o'clock. There's a reason why the Red Sox game is starting at 3. The Yankee game is starting at 3. So, in all honesty, I will be watching both games at the same time while I'm at the tailgate. Yeah. I'll be I'll be down at Gillette in just a bit. Um, oh, yeah. I tell, tailgating before, um, before the game. True and, fan. And, like... As it pertains to the Yankees Red Sox series last weekend, I feel like now it means something, but it doesn't mean as much a week later because so much has changed 
over the course of the, of the past three days alone. I could have said a lot has changed over the past week, yeah. But just these three, three days alone, a lot has changed. And now, here we are. If all things fall into place, we could be looking at a four-way tie. Yeah. The, Mar- the Mariners won last night. Yeah. So that's a real, that's a very real possibility. And ladies and gentlemen, Crazy. we have never seen anything like this in baseball history. We have not. 150 years. It comes. It literally comes down to one night. One night. One like day, tonight. No, no, one afternoon. Unreal. Where all the this is again. This is exactly why Major League Baseball said we're going to start all the games at the same time today. Three ten. Mm-hmm. If you go on MLB.com and you look at the uh, the time for the first pitch for all the games today, the, the regular season finale. Three p.m. <laughs> this is it. Three ten. Yeah. That is the reason why. So if you're going to be flipping between NFL. And flipping between Red Zone and MLB Network, and, and if you're here in New England locally in Boston or across New England, watching on Nesson for all of my folks back in New York, if you're watching yeah. the Yankees on, on, on Yes Network, yeah. you're going to be basically channel surfing because it actually matters. Yeah, there is no tomorrow for regular season unless it's a tiebreaker. There's I know I'm going to be going, I'm going to be, I'm going to have Nesson. Nesson, the pregame for the Pats and the Yes Network, just on standby, just going back and forth between all of them. I'll be watching. Yeah, Yeah, like it's literally must-see TV. This Mm -hmm. is when baseball is at its absolute best, when it's drama like this. Yeah. Like, I want to put this and make this abundantly clear. If you did not appreciate what we saw in in, in 2011, on that final day, September 28th, 2011, you're going to appreciate today. Mark yeah. my words. You're going to appreciate today. If you didn't appreciate it back then. And it's that exciting. was back when there was only one wild card. This was the last year of the one wild card. Because the two wild card system in both leagues, in the American League and the National League, started the following year. Yeah. That's exciting. It really is. It's it's amazing. Uh, it, it, and it goes to show that baseball is is learning from their mistakes and learning to evolve and stuff and keep things interesting. So that's good. Good for good for baseball. I mean, I know that um, during the late steroid era, you know, mid two thousands, I was very yeah. much into baseball. A lot of people like me were into baseball. Now the game's changed. It's still interesting, but you got to suck us back in. You know what I mean? We're, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, 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 this is interesting though. This is a very interesting day. I'll be watching. I'll be watching. And I'm not even a team of any. I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan. So we're out of it. <laughs> but I'll I mean, still be won, watching. You won your World Series in 2016, so we I mean, got it. <laughs> And, Gre- and Gregor John, um, man, I'm rooting for the four-way tie. And, I, and, I'm, no, and I'm a diehard Yankee fan. And, and, and as you guys, if you guys, if you guys follow me on Twitter or at Shukri Writes, like that's not a Y'all secret. Like I'm a diehard, passionate Yankee fan, lifelong Yankee fan. I'm actually rooting for a four-way tie. Give me chaos. So, I want so chaos. So the four-way tie would be the four-way tie would be, be Yankees, Red Sox, Seattle, and Toronto. They all win, right? Everybody wins, right? If yet, no, no, no. If the Yankees and Red Sox win, they they, they wrap up. They're they're the done, right? Card. So yeah, they wrap the they wrap but, it up. So if Yankees Red Sox lose, yeah, Seattle and Toronto win. There, it's a four way. It's a four way tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that is that is. Let's see again. We have not seen this in baseball history ever, ever, ever. The last tie-breaking game that we had 
was, give me a moment to, to rejob a memory, was actually one of the most memorable games in baseball history. And if you remember the Padres Rockies game in 2007, game I 163 <laughs> for the wild card. Mm-hmm. That was that was the tiebreaker. That and if also, we do and also, get a, don't forget, if also, we don't do forget, get a four way tie, that's going to be chaos. And and also, by the way, I just remembered 2008 Twins White Sox. There was a game 163 in Chicago for the American League Central. Mm-hmm. And and also another memorable game, but a four way tie. We have never had anything like never. this. Never. Never. It's wild. And so it, I, yeah, and, I'm rooting for it too. And, and by <laughs> eight o'clock tonight, we could be talking about a four way tie. Yeah. And I'm telling you, baseball universe will be exploding with 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 absolute. Oh my God, this is happening. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Tie. We're gonna get. So let's let so let's talk. The the Yanks um um let's let's talk the Yanks and the and the Sox. If they do win and wrap up, and it's it's a done deal, and we're playing each other for the for the you know in the wild card. Uh, I assume Boston would be hosting. Yes, I, they would. They would they, be hosting, right? Now, because of the would, would the Yankees throw? Would they throw Garrett Cole in that game, or who would who would go for for them? Because the Sox be have announced the Sox have already said it would be Nate Evaldi. They would, it would pitch have Evaldi. To be Garrett Cole. It'd have to be Garrett Cole. No question in my mind. That, I mean, I have. I don't see them. Hold on. I don't see them starting uh, Garrett Cole today. Like, there's no, there's no freaking way. Like, I get that, yeah, you have to win. But, again, if the Yankees lose today, their season's not over. Yeah. Yeah, like, no doubt. At, and neither, neither the with the Sox. Worst, if they lose, it's not over. They, still, they exactly, can still play another game. At the very worst, it's a tie, it's, it, you're, you're going to the tiebreaker. Yeah. At, for the Yankees, that is. I'm talking about specifically. So, right. so, so with that being said, they're, like, they're not, like, they're, they're not, like, completely screwed. But I just also want to make this point real quick as as an important piece this is not a side note because this is an important piece here we can't talk about the chaos with the american league wild card without talking about what's going on in the national league west yeah ladies and gentlemen when the hell was the last time that we've seen the giants and the dodgers separate by one game going into today's final day of the regular season yeah and by the way the dodgers they, they won what 106 games yeah and the Giants, no, sorry, the Giants have won 106 games. The Dodgers have won like, I think 103, something like that. But I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually going to double check the standings right now just to make sure I get my facts. Uh, no, 100, 105, I think the Dodgers have, I think. In fact, uh, I'm going to tell you that right now, just, just, just bear with me. But, but anyway, in terms of the Giants and the Dodgers, they're separated by one game. They mm -hmm. both won, have won more than 104 games. Imagine if both teams if they end up with a tie. Yeah. A four-way tie in the American League wildcard and a tie in the in, a, in the um for the for the for the NL West. Dude. I know tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm not I'm canceling all plans. I'm not leaving my house to watch every single baseball game there is to be watched. Can you, you have imagine? to, right? Like, you know, by the way. 
Dodgers have won 105 and the Giants have won 106 games. Yeah. And here's what's scary. Thank you, uh, um, Cab's uh, family. I don't, I'm not sure what your name is, but I just want to give you a quick shout out. But imagine the following: you are the Giants. You lose today. Giant, the Dodgers win today. And guess who awaits you? The scariest team in baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals, who have won 17 who just won in a 17 row. 17 in a row, and although they, they, that 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 winning streak was snapped on Friday night. They still continue to win, but that team is effing scary. Dude, Between, the Cardinals right now are white hot. Like, like not red hot, no, completely white hot. Like, yeah. if you are the, the Dodgers or the Giants, you do not want to face the Cardinals. That's the team no. you do not want to face because guess dude, what? Dude, I, I don't think anybody in the West wants to face them now. They're like, dude, they're ridiculous. It's, it's insane, and it's scary. When you talk about how one team, the Giants or the Dodgers, if either team ends up in a wild card game, their season could be done. Yeah. Imagine the, the Cardinals could finish imagine, off one of those teams. Yeah, Think about imagine that. you win 107 or 106 games and your season's done in one yeah. game in a wild card game. Just imagine. I don't. This could actually be worse than the 1993 San Francisco Giants, where they won 103 games and still missed the playoffs on the final day of the 1993 regular season. What? I didn't even know that. Yeah, wow. Atlanta. The Atlanta Braves. Wow. They were International League West at the time. This is before over 100 division. games. Oh, and you missed the playoffs. That was that. That was that. Oh, great. That was that. Greg Maddox. Team. That was the team that was stacked, hell? right? The Braves, oh yeah, what that was that Gavin Greg Smoltz? Maddox, uh, what's Smoltz that whole? Yeah, that, that was Greg Maddox and John Smoltz that and Tom they, Glavin, the, the big three. That was the first year of the big yeah, three. They mowed, Atlanta. they mowed through that whole league, and then they got bat, then they got no, bounced. no, false. They didn't mow through. No, they were down by ten. I think like ten games, of, if I remember correctly, in '93, and Barry Bonds went into the clubhouse at the All Star game and told. One of the Braves All Stars saying, "You're not going to catch us." They went out and they got Fred McGriff at the trade deadline. And yeah. for all of you baseball fans from the '90s, like myself, yeah, you remember who Fred McGriff was, and that was a bad man mm-hmm. just at the beginning of the steroid era. Yeah, like McGriff was a beast. Like he was, he a, was. Yeah, he really was. Oh, like, dude, he he's a good he, player. Dude, he'd, he'd hit home runs that like would take minutes to land. <laughs> yeah, at, at all freaking at all freaking Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta, like they get him and, and the Braves catch fire, literally. Like during the final weekend of the season, Giants are in Los Angeles, play the Dodgers. The Braves, I don't remember who they're playing at home there, but they were playing at home. They won their game. The Giants lost. They're playing out west. Man, it would be a shame. <laughs> That the Giants or the Dodgers season came to an end after losing, if they were to lose to the Cardinals in the wild card game. The Cardinals could do that too. Yeah, they are that. They are that. Like the dude, momentum is a scary thing. Baseball is everything. It's It's a scary thing. Go ask the the, go ask the 2011 Cardinals. I'm serious. I uh, I hate to bring it up, but the the 04. 
The Red oh, the 04 Red Sox. The Red yeah. Sox in, in 04. Yeah. yeah. The, them too. The 04 Red Sox. But after they recently, after they beat the after they the, I said this as soon as they won as soon as they beat the Yankees in that 04 in that 04 run. LCS, yeah. I was like, that's it. That's it. There, no other team is going to even shout like that was their challenge. That was their Mount Everest. They yeah. they had to get there and beat that team and prove that to get that 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 curse off their their backs. You Absolutely. know. Absolutely. And when well, they get- when they beat the Yankees, I was like, that's it, man. They're they're winning this. They they are winning all this because that was the team that that is gonna. That was the team that was gonna push them to their limit and possibly knock them out. And they they got rid of them. And this is and this is why, like, also to to your point about 04, that momentum is everything. Everything. But but if you're talking about and Gre- and Greg Ajano, I want to uh, address his comment real quick. 105 wins for a Walker team in the in your season could be done in one game. Yeah. Yep. That is the reality that's facing the, either the Giants or the Dodgers. Giants have won 106 games coming into today. The Dodgers have won 105. And if they either one of those two teams were to fall into the wild card game and they lose to the Cardinals, I don't know, man. That's a that's a pill that's extremely tough to swallow, especially for the Dodgers being the defending world champions at that. Well, let's so, see. And also, if the Cardinals can knock one of those teams out, what competition's left for them? There's no real competition left. That, that's that's Zero. what I mean. That's Zero. their biggest. If they can knock out the one of the Giants or the or the the Dodgers, I mean that that. The West would be the NL National would be League wide would open, be, wide but, open, yeah. But, like, oh man, but how do, but going back to momentum and baseball, why it's so so critical. And I keep mentioning about the 2011 Cardinals because, yeah, their run started not in October, their run started at the end of August or the beginning of September of that year, yeah. I vividly remember they were 10 and a half games out of the wild card. This again, this is when there was only one wild card in per league. Yeah. This is a year before they went to two wild cards in both leagues in American League and National League. They were 10 and a half games out. Atlanta was a team that that was in that that was that had the, that held the, the comfortable spot for the uh for the wild card. And the thing that I remember most is that the Cardinals just kept chipping away. Yep. They kept chipping, and they kept coming, they kept coming, they kept coming. And Atlanta got cold. They got absolutely cold. And then that final day of the season, Chris Carpenter pitches that complete game against the Astros. This is when the Astros were still in the National League, ladies and gentlemen. And and like, and like, then they went into the clubhouse, and they're they waiting for the, the Atlanta-Phillies game because the Phillies won 102 games that year in 2011. They were the, they were the prohibited favorite. Um, They were the prohibited favorite. To, uh, to, to to get to the World Series again in the National League that year, because mm-hmm. that was when they had the late Hall of Famer Roy Halladay. Yep. Um, Chris, I mean, oh, sorry, Cliff Lee, who was at the top of his game at the time, and and Roy, and Roy Oswalt. Yeah. Like, but St. Louis said, "Hi, I'm Chaos, and I've come <laughs> to wreck your pool season party," and they did. Game five, another complete game by Chris Carpenter over Roy Halladay. One nothing, a one nothing win. Complete game. My name is Mayhem. Welcome to my world. Like Uh, I'm the that was a good one. Got the analogies, man. Welcome to my world. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm Mayhem. But it's it's so let let's 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 kind of dive into the the playoff run this year, Shook. Yes. 
I, I want to get your thoughts on the on the Yankees this year because just like the Sox, man, it's it's been a freaking roller coaster. Both of both of our teams, man, it's been a ro- the Yankees started off just dead and putrid. flat and no, just putrid. it was brutal. To, like like what the Sox second half of the season was after the deadline was what exactly the Yankees went through. We, we dude, we completely flip flopped. The the, the, oh, wow. the way it, yeah it went like like and I remember even saying when the Yanks were playing like they were playing at the beginning of the year I was like you freaking watch this is gonna once again it seems like both of our playoff lives always come back to like each other it's Literally, all, why why is it always got to be the Sox and Yanks at the end of the season just like. They're not going to fight years. each other out for. It's always going to be like that, man. And I remember even like before the All-Star break, I was like, you freaking watch. This is going to end up being the Sox and Yanks at the end of the year again. And lo and behold, you're right. Because, again, best-case scenario, both teams win. It's Yankees, Red Sox, and the AL wild card. And I was telling someone last night at the Bruins game that I was at um, against the Rangers that – if that happens, both cities are going to shut down on Tuesday. I'm serious. Boston is, is going to shut down. New York, that will be the talk of the city. Because I, I, I'm from New York, born and raised, for those of you that don't know. So I know when the Yankees are in October, but especially Yankees, Red Sox, there's yeah. nothing else to talk about. Nothing else mm-hmm. matters. Not the Giants, not the Jets, <laughs> not the Rangers, not the Brooklyn Nets. Hell, not even the New York Knicks. It's Yankees, Red Sox. The Yankees are the talk of the town. And if that's going to be the case, man, every baseball fan across the country is watching because no other matchup draws like the Yankees Red Sox draw in yep. October. Period. We 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 all we, we're all old enough to remember two thousand three and two thousand four, like back to back ALCS is like that. That what's understood does not need to be explained. Those the storyline between those oh three and oh four was just. The way the incredible. Yankees, the way the Yankees did it, no three to the Sox, yeah. and the way the Sox came right back the next year, that was yeah, it wow. was. We will never see that again. I'll never, I'll forget, I'll never forget that. N- never. Hard, I am willing to put this on my grave, wherever that is. We will never see anything like that again. Not in our lifetime, at least. No. No way. Like, not breaking that, a curse like that. Like no, not not in our because, lifetime. Because like we're past the we're past like the the curse era in baseball. True. Because yeah. at one point it was the Red Sox eighty six years, the White Sox eighty eight years, the Cubs one hundred and eight years. Well, that's all gone now. They've all won cha- uh, won, a, won at least one title since. Yeah. So so like that's why that's why I say that I genuinely believe, and I put this on my own grave. We are never going to see anything with the likes of 03 and 04 in baseball with the Yankees and Red Sox ever again. We're not going to. Because both teams have won championships since. Mm-hmm. The Yankees yep. won in 09, obviously. Yeah. The Red Sox have won in 04, 07, 13, and 18. So both teams have won. So what made 03 and 04 so special was that the Red Sox, they were in the midst of their of their 85, 85-year title drought in 03. The Yankees... We were still trying to get back to the World Series. Yeah. So one of them title for the first time since 2000. 
and with A Rod and all that. Like, no, no, O three was before A Rod. O four is when we got oh, yeah, A Rod yeah. in February of O four, which only added more yeah. fuel to the fire of of the rivalry. <laughs> yeah, gotta, yeah, you gotta win now. <laughs> yeah, so so which is why that I'm like, we're never gonna see anything like that again. And in many ways, and I was talking about this with another Bruins fan at the game last night, who was also a Red Sox fan. I'm like, dude, we had it good, and we're we're not gonna get that back. Yeah. We are not going to get that back. Yes, if they were to meet on Tuesday, it would be phenomenal. It would be great. But it's not going to be the same. The hatred is not going to be the same. Uh, see, I was just going to – back in the day, bro, teams hate it. Like, like the Sox and Yankees, there was yes. legitimate bad blood back in the day. There was legit bad blood. Yes. They hated each other. They hated each other. Like, it's true because I remember I grew up in New York going to old Yankee Stadium for Yankee games. Yeah. And, and it's not fallacy, but it's truth. Like, the old adage was if you went to Yankee Stadium with outright Red Sox gear, the game pummeled. <laughs> that was not a – that's not a myth. That was true. Oh, no, no straight that, fast. Straight like that, fast. That was old Yankee <laughs> Stadium, like, back in 03, 04. Like, you could not walk there and get out alive. Bro, they, they yeah. would they, they would they would flip Red Sox fans' cars on its side. Oh, dude, they oh, would yeah. it was brutal. They, dude, they light they would light Red Sox fans' cars on fire. <laughs> oh, it was it was a mad it was a madhouse. And the same thing, dude. If in oh from like the early two thousands, if you showed up at Red Sox Stadium in Yankee gear, you had a set on you because that yeah. was a that was. I've heard that was a no fly zone for those for those colors. It was that's awesome. It, it was the the we all remember is awesome. down. Oh, it, no, I love that. The, the rivalries they they're still there. They are. They're still there, mm -hmm. but they will never be as like deep rooted as they were back in the day. Oh, a lot, no. of, a lot of fights you see now, it's like drunken people. It's not about oh, the game. God, yeah, I mean, you're never, you're never gonna have like a like a Pedro and Kareem Garcia moment again. You're oh, not gonna yeah. have a Pedro defending against Don, the late Don Zimmer like ever again. Like you're not gonna have bullpen fights oh. between Jeff Nelson and Red Sox fans trying to be jackasses getting into the Yankee bullpen. Like you're not gonna have that anymore. Like yeah, it's changed like how many times did the Yanks and Red Sox charge? How many times did the Yanks and Red Sox charge the mound because they buzzed them under the chin? Oh man, Too you many know times like benches were as you bro you, as you when, said when that, you as, watched a Red Sox game in in the early a Red Sox Yankee game in the early two thousands like from ninety eight to like oh six oh eight yeah right that era from ninety eight to oh eight. The benches were gonna clear at least once a game in one of those in that sit. Like yeah. you knew it. You just knew you didn't know when it was gonna happen. You just knew it was gonna happen. It was it was just it was just a matter of when, not if, when. Yeah. yeah. Do you and... guys think oh never mind. I'll I'll say that in a second. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, do you guys think maybe that Moneyball made the game less cultural and less um uh like for instance let me give you an example like during that era everyone was so emotionally invested like yankees red sox yankees red sox you know what i mean like unless your name was uh john or johnny damon or something like that 
Uh, did I say his name right? Yeah. What's <laughs> your name was him. Then you don't give a f- you know, just getting whoever pays the most. Yeah. But like besides him, everybody who was on the Red Sox, you're a Red Sox for life. You're on the Yankees, you're Yankees for life. Nowadays with Moneyball, with with people like um, the transactions being like very analytical, mm-hmm. I think it's it's like players move around more. Maybe um, so not all the time, but but maybe there's less invested in like, all right, I'm a Red Sox player now. I'm a Yan- What do you guys think about that? I think it would suck, huh? I'm just I'm I'm thinking long and hard about this. I don't think it was analytics that really drove a lot of people away. I think analytic no 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 yeah analytics is what really destroyed the sport from within. Mm. All it does all it did is just it just like presents an ugly product on the field. Like well yeah, because nothing nothing's the eye shook, nothing's the eyeball test anymore, you know. Perfect example, right? True. Last night, last night, Tanner Hauk Tanner Hauk pitching. I saw not a, a single base runner allowed through four innings, five innings, and Cora takes him out. Dude, you let that guy roll, like let him roll. Yeah, let instead of run. like following the formula, like I don't give a shit about the for- like. It blew dude, my mind. Yeah, I didn't. The guy was that. rolling. Let him pitch. Let, let, like the soul of the game. It's this, like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Like mo- momentum. Why are you gonna mess with the kids? Why are you going to mess with the kid's mojo when he's got it rolling for you? And you get to save the bullpen. You you know what I mean? You get to save the bullpen at the same time. You don't have to waste any. Mm-hmm. Just let the kid roll. And yeah. it's like. Optimize the fun out of the game. That's a problem. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, or the or whatever you want to call it. Maybe that's not fun. But, you know. I, I, but that's a perfect example of what's like. Like you, like, like you said, dude, like the analytics, it's like. Like. I'm a big oh, I, I'm old school baseball dude. Very, like, old here. school, old school. I I analytics and the way they manage it now is like it's destroying the game, man. Like I openly declared war on analytics the day of game six of the 2020 World Series. That ill-fated decision by Ray's manager Kevin Cash to pull Blake Snell yep. in that fateful seventh inning. When he's rolling through that Dodger lineup and the Rays were down three two in that World Series, mm-hmm. that in itself is something I, I I have not forgotten. I cannot get over. Like yeah. you made the decision based on analytics. I ripped. I I I remember ripping him apart on on the air last year at that time. Like it becomes a cop out too. Like it was no, it was a cop out. I'm like I'm like I'm like you moron. This is exactly what's wrong with baseball. You're mm-hmm. so you're so effing analytically driven now that you forgot to use your your effing eyeballs <laughs> to make sensible, logical, managerial decisions. Like, what the hell are we doing? Yeah, no I, doubt, no, no doubt. Like pa- pulling Tanner Hoak after five perfect innings for what? <laughs> for what? We're trying to save him from what? <laughs> You're trying to save him for what? You have a win. You have a game. You're trying to win, and he's rolling. And he's you're rolling. trying. You're you're in a so must-win situation, and your pitcher is rolling, and you're gonna take. It. No, no. Well, you let that this. dude roll as long as he can. I don't care what the numbers say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't care what the numbers. But say. But that's like that's another thing too. It's almost like they're afraid to go against the analytics. It's I almost like they're afraid to go against ripped, them. This which is it, why. Yeah. This is why they hide Bloom because Bloom is the perfect scapegoat and the public face. Behind mm-hmm. the true inner workings of that team, analytics driven. We're not going to use our eyeballs. We're going to make our decisions based on analytics, 
and that and that's going to be that like what like what i think they're doing too much you gotta have a i i think you can have a hybrid i think you can have an analytical type of idea an analytical type of formula but also you know Mm -hmm. recognize the moments you know what i mean it's it's important to know that's what a manager is for like your manager should have overwhelming ability to do that yeah, uh, but Moneyball, it's like they neutered. Like I remember watching that movie. It's like they neutered the manager, and it's like if you neuter the manager, you're neutering the game too. So exactly, and it, and it becomes like why why bother having a manager? Like have the GM make calls. You might as well. You might as well be the GM and the manager. You cut cut out the middleman. Exactly. I mean, all right. So closing arguments on the Sox and Yanks, man. It's we're in for a wild final game of uh, of the regular season, and this is. It's going the, the it's going to be a lot of fun. The postseason is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be interesting. Um, the uh, I got a feeling we're going to get Sox and Yanks again, and it's just going to be it, it's going to be a war of attrition, man. It's going to be a lot of fun to just uh, watch watch that unfold, man. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely chaos, and I, I'm rooting for chaos today. <laughs> like I cannot wait. Like I am. I am just genuinely <laughs> like I'm the more I think about it, the more I'm like, as a baseball fan, this is exactly what all, all you can ask for. This is this is what we need. This well is what baseball needs. Like I baseball like needs is kind of um like this this kind of drama. Cause this is yeah. when baseball is truly at its like at its complete utter best. Like it's this is where like you got fans. In multiple cities that are invested, the Mariners—they are a story in its own right. They haven't made the playoffs since winning 116 games in 2001, which is the longest drought in all of professional sports. Which is—it's like, like I mean, goodness grief! Yeah, like what else can you possibly ask for if you're a baseball fan? Yankees, Red Sox, New York, Boston's going to be watching. New England's going to be watching. Seattle, Los Angeles, San Francisco, I mean, Toronto, they're going to be watching. It's going to be a great day for baseball, and I can't wait. Yeah, no doubt, man. So let's go from the diamond to the ice, Shook, and talk some Bruins here real quick. And then I got a, a couple of I got a couple of questions for you for you at the end, just just for fun. But we'll we'll get to the Bruins. Um what do you think of their offseason, man? What what do you think of the how do you think the the bees handled the offseason this year? Cuz they they I'm telling you dude, they are and I think we as Bruins fans know this. They're running out of time with the core. They're running out of time with that with the core of that team to win an, to win another one. It's it, it, if they don't win it in the next two seasons, you know, that Bergie Marshawn uh, you know, that Bergie Marshawn pasta that 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 the core of that team is going to get broke. I, I got. I have a feeling they're just going to get broken up if they don't win it in the last I, I in the next two years. Just this, this, this year, because Bergeron is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Yeah, and I'm telling Bruin fans now to prepare for the unexpected. And mm-hmm. like the off season, I like what they did. Um, I like what they did in terms of adding um Thomas Nosek, Derek Forbort, uh Nick Foligno, um Eric Haller. Like I like what I saw like a lot and. I mean, what happens at the second line center um, position? I think it's ultimately I want I want Justin to win the job, but I think it's going to be Charlie Coyle that ends up uh, taking over on um, that role because it just looks like Justin is going to go down to Providence to get some more seasoning, um, and, and so forth. 
So, right. so like I think uh, the offseason, I I give it like a B plus. Yeah. But the goaltending is really going to be the big concern for me because like we're about to find out just how good we may have had it with Tuka Rask, given that he's going to be out until at least January, February, yeah. the, or the earliest. With, with with that with the surgery that he had, so that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye out on for for sure. I kind of, I definitely feel the same way. They did a pretty good job addressing of addressing some of the issues. There's still some that are definitely big question marks. The center depth is 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 going to be a question mark, and the guys that they brought in have to perform, or they're going to they they have to live up to their ceilings, or their potential, or they're not going to they're not going to go anywhere. They 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 got to they have to. I'm sick of saying there's potential with this team. The like, how many times have we said there's potential here? There's potential here, and it never gets there. It never and it's gets maddening. to where it needs to be. Potential oh, gets yeah. you fired. Potential doesn't win you championships. <laughs> and you're right, JD. It does get you fired. Yeah, but the, but the, but the Bruins <laughs> are at a point now where um, I definitely think um, that they are at a crossroads because the reality is is this: it's like it's not that this team is uh, losing talent or like deteriorating, but with the core of Bergeron, Marchand, and and just Tuca now left. I mean, just Bergeron and Marchand are only two players. Yeah. Um, left from in terms of like the actual core uh group, not including goalies that were on that 2011 Cup team. I think that time is truly when they they have maybe a 10 percent window left. That yeah. other 90 percent is closed. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that um that they they really got to try to get it done this season. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Well, so just for fun here at the end, I know, I know you got, I appreciate your time man. I know we've, we've taken up a Much lot of it. I, I thanks. Time. Thank you again for coming on. So just it, in, in fun. So before we let you go, so I want to know your favorite, your favorite Patriots moment that you've seen your favorite Bruins yeah. moment you've seen and your favorite Yankee moment that you've got to see in sports, man. Favorite um brewing moment for me um wow it's the stanley cup is up there in 2011 um but yeah i think that one but a very close second is that game seven against toronto in 2013 the comeback um from 4-1 down that one was was special very that one was very special uh considering that at the time like this was still what the bruins were they were still a, they still had some they had great teams. Yeah. Like you still had that that core with Wachara, Boychuk, um, obviously with Bergeron, Krejci, Milan Lucic, um, Adam McQuaid, mm-hmm. those guys, um, Chris Kelly, and and like you, they still had a great team as well as Nathan Horton was was still on the team at the time. Um so that I have to say 2011. Um uh Patriots Super Bowl 51 no question um no question for me that one is the ultimate moment that one was the moment for me that I really enjoyed the most uh Yankees I have to say wow I got to say 98 1998 I, that was the team that really made me a fan uh, a fan for life as a 7 year old growing up in New York um, that 98 team was how many ball. legends are on that team too? How like, many legends like, of baseball were on that team? I mean, Jeter, the hall of famer, Mariano Rivera, the greatest closer to ever walk this earth 
Hall of Famer, the Sandman, um, like, like Sandman. yeah, um, like Bernie Williams, all time great Yankee, um, and as well as you, you talk about the other guys that were on that team that were equally as important, Paul O'Neill, Scott Brocious, the MVP of the '98 World Series, yeah. um, Jorge Posada, um, Girardi, and talk about the pitchers like David Well, Annie Pettit, David Cohn, yeah, um, like like that, those like those games. And also, don't not forget um, the rookie El Duque, Orlando Hernandez, as well. Like for me, those that that team for me was by far the best Yankee team I've seen in my lifetime, no question. From top to bottom, they won 125 games um, in total, winning the World Series um, and, and and sweeping it down. It was really just sweeping the World Series in '98. Um, that and, team was that, something else, man. That team was something like, else. Yeah, like they had everything: starting pitching, bullpen lineup that this was not a lineup in which that they like they were home run hitters like the most home runs a single hitter had and and our starting lineup was 28 home runs and that was that was tina martinez in 98 we just knew how to get on base take advantage of hitting with runners scoring position and that 98 team did it better than any team i've seen in my lifetime yeah no doubt but thanks again shook i appreciate you coming on man and and hanging out with us for a bit i know i know you're busy and i know you got you know, you got a lot of stuff going on, but I definitely appreciate the time, man. It's it was been a, it's been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me on. I had a tremendous blast with you guys this morning, and amazing. I absolutely uh, can't wait to to see the the finished product of, of of this episode, as well as like the feedback, any feedback that you guys um may get as well. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you guys. No we problem, Shook. You have a good one, buddy. Go Pats, and uh, let's see what happens with the Sox and Yanks. <laughs> appreciate you, man. Have a good Team one. Team Tom, let's go. Bear Absolutely. Down. <laughs> go, go, go Pats, and, and let's let's go Yankees. Hopefully, by the end of the day, we have a four-way tie, maybe, perhaps. All right, buddy. You That'd take it cool. easy. Have a good one, man. Uh, have you too. Have a good one, guys. Man, it was great having so, you what a – I mean – He killed it. It's good. It's going to be an epic day today, man, between, oh, yeah. like, Sunday night football – and I didn't realize all those details about baseball. I knew that there was a, th- a few things going on, but I, oh, I dude, didn't it's it's, wow. it's the, the fi- it's literally coming down to one game, like one day and one game for like five team, five or six teams. It's, it's coming down to one day, one game. The ending to the MLB regular season is going to be insane. I love it. I love that. Birdman says Lions beating the Bears too. Oh, I hope you're wrong, buddy. I really hope you're wrong. <laughs> I can't say you are though. I, I can't. I can't be cocky about it because I don't know, man. Anyway, my man, what, what do you? What, what are we gonna do? Uh, we have any more topics, or we want to get some fan questions? I, I want to. So let's let's hit on this too. The sure. the Lions and the Bears are an interesting matchup, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um. This is the game that me and you thought that the Bears should, or we, we thought. Let's be honest. This was the plan. The plan was probably to put Fields into this game. This is what we you predicted. You first predicted this. I mean, I, I think um, that that uh, that that like this should have been the plan to let him face a team like the Lions, who are kind of floundering. And don't have a vaunted like front seven or a, a, a quarterback like Mayfield who's mobile and can throw it. This was the game that he should have had his debut and start against. But Andy Dalton got hurt, and it you know it forced him to to start against like a buzzsaw that was the Cleveland Browns. It's it's it'll be interesting to see how 
I hope Fields rebounds in this game. I really do. Me I mean, I hope he rebounds and I hope he gets his confidence back and he's slinging it around the field. But I just wanted to get you. I mean, your that's kind mm-hmm. of you know my thoughts on it. But uh, uh, what do you think? Yeah. What, what do you well, think for the for the matchup today for them? I consider zero percent of that Browns game when I consider Justin Fields. That can be entirely placed on uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's doorstep. Um, and you can set that piece of crap on fire and leave it there uh, because that is exactly where it belongs. They're the reason why the offensive line sucks. They're the reason why Matt Nagy – so Pace is the reason why the offensive line sucks because he invested too much in skill positions and linebackers and not enough in quarterbacks or uh, offensive linemen. And um, and with this – with Fields, dude, he had less than a second to throw. We talked about it in the Lions preview with um, the Sports Fury. If you haven't checked that out, you should check that out on I-90 Sports Talk. Um, the thing is – he had no time to throw. He had no time to think. And this is his, that was his first. Dude, it was, what time. was it? Under two seconds to make reads? That's it was not. under one second. It was like an average of, uh, according to this tweet, which is like a Bears insider, it was 0.78 seconds. Was so not the, even one second to make to make progressions. That's no, that, yeah. that is a, I don't you care. I don't, the run I don't game? care if you're Tom Brady. That's, that's not enough time to make a read and make a progression and and and, and that's why I blame Fields zero percent. He gets zero percent of the blame. He didn't even get he didn't even get to have his feet wet. He basically was put on on top of a giant cliff and shoved in, like yeah. and, oh, yeah. and there was just rocks at the bottom. There was nothing for him to even. There was no way he could start swimming. There was no there was nothing he could do. Like he had no um. And yes, there's maybe okay. I'll give you. Three, four passes where it's like, okay, throw the ball, Fields. You know what I mean? But that's it. And that's a rookie. It's like if you don't have that as a rookie, you must be like Justin Herbert or something. Like you must be a monster. So, like, obviously you're going to have that. So until I see Fields with some protection, some time, some – the other team doesn't dominate the time of possession by, like, 80%. Until I see that's a little bit of stability, I'm going to hold my judgment on fields. I'm going to give him a long time because at this point, I'm now looking at Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace saying, do you even deserve your jobs? Like you guys didn't set this. You you drafted this young QB, but you didn't set him up for success. And that's that's just inexcusable, as we talked about with uh, with Josh from the Sports Fury. That was just inexcusable. That's the word we we all ended up using because it's just. It is. It's it, that's the word I would use to describe it, but that's all I have to really say. I have nothing. Um, I'm just wanting him. I want Fields as I as I just talked to um, Shook Shookery about. I just want him to throw him to the wolves and see what happens on the other side. And if he comes out alive, then he's our franchise quarterback. And if he doesn't, then we need to just tear this entire everything down, all of it, just destroy it, level this entire franchise, and start over because Fields is our only hope. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, man. No, no doubt. No doubt. It's it like I said, I'm definitely gonna be watching that Bears and Lions game because because oh, yeah. it's gonna be like I said, I hope Fields rebounds nicely. And I hope I hope he he what like I hope he torches Detroit. I really do. I hope he torches Detroit. I hope, I hope he's learned from last week. Yeah, abs- no, absolutely. Move him around a little bit. <laughs> yeah get him on the run throw a screen pass for god's sake 
my God. <laughs> that was so annoying. He's like throwing down the field. It's like, dude, you have less than a second. How are we supposed to get through our reads? We can't even get through our second read without being on the ground. So, yeah, it's nuts, man. There's there's a lot of good football being played today, though, man. There's a lot. There's going to be a lot of good games. It's it's uh, there's there's a lot of good games going on. I'm hyped. Hell yeah, man. Uh, do we have any? Uh, well, so uh, let's let's yeah. end it like we usually do, JD, and take some questions sure. from the chat, and we will um, we'll uh, we'll answer some questions. Please. Here's a uh, here's one for you, buddy. All right. Should a young, promising QB be the first piece to turning a bad franchise franchise around, or should be the young? See, that's a really, really good question. It's kind of like asking. Uh, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know what I mean? It's like you, you really don't know what's best. Like the Seahawks, for instance. If you look at the Seahawks in the in the um, early 2010s and stuff like that, the, the 10s, as I'll call them, uh, they got everything. They built an awesome team around Matt Hasselbeck. They basically said, all right, you're our veteran and stuff like that. Um, they, you know, they, they built a running game, Marshawn Lynch, amazing secondary, one of the best secondaries you've ever seen in the league. The Legion and of Boom. Then... They just happened to hit on a third round pick known as Russell Wilson. See, and then you went, then you go to two Super Bowls. So that worked out well for them. I think at this point, our best chance is to do the second one or uh, the, the first way you said it. We got a young QB. He has some promise. Give him now, honestly, they usually say, I think Colin Cowherd always says, I, I'll give him 16 to 17 games. It's like, well, Fields deserves like 25 to 30 games, in my opinion, because he's he's starting with like less than most people start with. Although I will give you Justin Herbert is an exception. He came in with the worst offensive line in the league and still dominated. It doesn't happen to everyone. Fields maybe isn't that talented. I still think he deserves a little bit of a chance to show who he is. That's all. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you 100%. Any, uh, what do you think about that philosophical question? Do you think you should start with a young quarterback and build around him, or do you think you should start with everything else and just kind of insert young quarterback? I see. I think it's, I think it's O line first, but I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you. It's interesting though, because there are teams out there like, like the Bucks are a perfect example, right? How many years have we stated? That that team is exceptional in every position on the field, defensive wise, offensive wise. The one thing that they were lacking was a leader and a quarterback. In I mean, they definitely had talent. I'll give you that. That's, that's what I mean. They, they had a lot of talent for years and years and years. They were a talented team with no leader. It was a rudderless ship, you know. So and that's an interesting insert, way of putting it. We were. Uh, People have been saying for five seasons, Tampa Bay was a rudderless ship, but they have the talent to really make some noise and, 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 you know, really challenge some people. And then you insert a leader and a guy with an attitude and a winning cult, you know, you insult, the greatest you, leader. you insert a winning, the winning attitude and a guy like Tom Brady, who focuses on discipline and getting better and being the best you can. And, and the effort, see, an underrated thing that I think a lot of these these good quarter like these good slash great quarterbacks bring to these teams is their leadership and their ability to elevate the play around them. You know what I mean? They make people better. Brady, Mike Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, some of these guys on the some of these guys notoriously for 
you know, notorious known for for lack of effort. You know, oh, they take plays off or they don't try. Look at that Super Bowl run. Look at the playoff run that they had. Every play was a hundred percent. Brady had those yeah. guys locked in. They're all locked you don't, in. You don't take a single fucking play Nobody off. Was Not like one. Not one play. Every play is a hundred and ten percent. Very little penalties. Very yep. Everything was. Yeah. You are locked in. You're focused. You're you're where we are all focused on one goal, and that's winning a damn Lombardi. Right. It's hard for people like me to not say, okay, well, looking back at the Patriots dynasty, who was really responsible for getting everyone locked in? Was it Belichick, or was it Brady, or was it both? I think it was probably both. And Brady didn't That's, get they, enough credit they, for that. This is where they fed off of. This is where this is where the Pats fed off of off of both, right? Mm-hmm. Belichick's a defensive defensive genius, right? He was. So he probably still is. His job. So Bill's job as a deep Bill's job as a defensive minded genius, right? Brady is my general on the field. He is a he is a a coach, he's my general, he is my leader on the field. What right. is my job as a defensive-minded coach? Get him the fucking ball. <laughs> Get him the ball. How do I put the ball in this man's hands as much as humanly possible? That is that was his that's any any that's any coach's job. How do I get the ball in my playmaker's hands as much as possible? That is that is their job, right? Especially Absolutely. Bill. Bill knew it as a defensive-minded coach. If I can take this football away from the other team and put it in Brady's hands and let him work and let him do his thing, and don't ever get it twisted, Patriots Nation. Belichick took Brady's raw talent and the potential that he oh, saw he in him it. and sculpted it into what it is today. Yeah, Just yeah, re- I agree. He took that. He took that. That he took that thin piece of metal that raw piece of metal that Brady was and sharpened it into a freaking scalpel, a razor blade. And Belichick, you know what I mean? Yeah. From 99 to 2010, Belichick deserves every ounce of credit for that, for that Patriots dynasty and for Tom Brady in general. Um, I just think that Tom, after that point, that, that last decade, that whole 10 years after that, Tom wants love for that because they went to the Super Bowl like six times. <laughs> oh yeah, and he was oh, yeah. no, like, no doubt. He, I he, was a big reason we did that, and, they, they, and that this was, is why that was I will go to my grave saying it's 50 50. It was, and 50/50. if you listen, if you listen to the even if you listen to both of them speak, let's be honest, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you some truth, and a lot of people might not want to hear it, right? Mm-hmm. Bill and Brady have massive freaking egos, huge, massive, huge. They're the they're the size of the United States. Both of their egos are huge. Granted, it's warranted because of who they are, right? They have massive egos. But get this. When they were asked, they to me they both gave honest answers. Bill was asked it, Bill was asked about what Brady has meant to him multiple times and he said this one he he has given the the pretty much the same answer every time and it's somebody asked him recently a couple of days ago if he was if he would have the same success if he didn't have tom and his answer was of his answer was of course not i was lucky to i'm i was lucky to coach tom and have tom he knows brady down in tampa when they asked him 
what what you know what oh, Bill he meant knows to him. He, yeah. And Bill he Brady gave the same answer. I was lucky to land with the Patriots and get drafted and learn from Bill and take mm-hmm. Bill's teachings. They don't ever get it twisted, Pat's Nation. They as it was massive as their egos are and their little black hearts when it comes to like just <laughs> winning hearts. and I'm telling you, they both have massive egos, right? But deep down inside, you take those both of those answers that you heard, they both know that they would not in any way, shape, or form be as successful as they did without the other one. Brady knows that without Bill taking him and constant and just over you know, 12 years of just constantly coaching him with a chip on his shoulder and, and poking and prodding and pushing him to be better. Every he coached him like an asshole, you know? Yeah. No, but he did. He, he worked. poked and prodded and pushed and and made Brady better. He always wanted Tom do more, do better, do it was always a constant. I'm going to put this little chip on your shoulder, drafting Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I'm going to constantly put this chip on your shoulder and coach you no, no different than anybody on the team. It was that coaching that drove that guy and his raw talent to be the guy that he did. And he knows it. He just listened to both of those answers that Brady and Belichick gave. They know deep down inside that they would not be as successful as the other one without each other. They know it. They absolutely know it. And they give, they, they, you know, in it, you know, indirectly, they gave each other credit for building the other one. Like the the way they are, it will always be 50, 50. It It has always with you put Brady on one other team for his whole career, and he he may win a couple of Super Bowls just because of how good he is, right? Sure. Right? And you put you put Belichick, the coach, on any other team, like give him, you know, give him Aaron Rodgers, give him Drew Brees. Like he may win, he may win, win three, he may win win three Super Bowls, but he wouldn't win six. You no, know what I mean? Not without Tom. Th- that's what I'm saying. I agree. It, in my opinion, I mean, so I, I don't Jackson, know how you Michael feel, Jordan. Diddy, but I don't know how you feel from an outsider's perspective. But as a Pats fan growing up and watching that team, watching this team and being a fan, like being a true fan, like my dad would plop me in front of the TV and watch, and I'd be watching when I was a little kid. But I'm talking like serious Patriot fan from 1991 to the present. The, the, it, it, it's it will always in my mind be be 50-50 but i mean what do you from an outsider's perspective i'm just curious to what you think yeah. about it no i i agree um i think brady and and uh cool genuine phil asked uh, will brady or no somebody pete mcdevitt show asked uh does does brady get a positive or negative response and i agree with cool genuine phil i think he gets a positive response everyone knows what brady especially after he won and that's and he needed to win with the buccaneers he did he needed to win with the Buccaneers so he could say, hey, guys, listen, as great as Bill was and as great as important as he was to me, I was just as important. And now he can come back to uh, Foxborough today, tonight, and he can say, like, hey, guys, you know, well, I'm home. I'm, gonna, I'm here to beat your ass. You know what I mean? And I, I agree with uh, I agree that um, with Phil also that Kraft needs to put a Brady statue out there. They need to give him the respect for what he did. 
Um, no, he needs he needs to be re- he was he needs to be properly recognized. He, he, yeah, he needs to like a, a a statue of of Brady outside of Gillette Stadium as you walk into it. It's only would fair. would he what he did for this franchise for twenty years absolutely merits. Well, Brady walked outside of Foxborough and was, and everybody was like, "Dude, you're the greatest of all time. You have six rank. You're you're amazing and stuff like that. You were you're incredible. You should have won that game against Philly. Belichick screwed you over." And he heard that over and over and over, and it happened. It just was years and years and, and all the things. And Belichick kept being a dick. And it's like, hey, gotta do what you gotta do. But you're right. No, I I think over the years it became fifty fifty. Like. I really think it really was that. I think 99 to 2010, it was Bill Belichick's franchise. In 2010 to 2020, it was Brady's franchise. And now Bill Belichick wants it back, or he did want it back. And um, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, that's why. You that's will why see. I'm going to call this right now. I'm going to say this right now, live on the air. And you guys, if it doesn't happen, you can come back and, and bash me for it. Those two, no matter the outcome of the game, will shake hands. Yes, they, they will. They, no matter the, whether the Patriots, whether the Patriots win, you know, whether the Patriots win or whether the Buccaneers blow the blow the doors off They'll of probably them, probably hug each other. Those two will shake hands or embrace in so, in some way, shape, or form because they know that that, like I said, deep down inside their little black hearted, big ego, big ego itself, they understand what the other one did for them. Brady's Brady Brady and Belichick's 20-year dominance of this league will never we JD me and you in our lifetime will never see that again. I, we I will never so. see a 20-year run of excellence and dominance and just the 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 the, the, the way the NFL is designed today it's meant to stop that. And Brady really and is. Bill spit in the design in the in the NFL designs face for twenty seasons. It did exactly. No, you you just said it. It's what it is, and and that is exactly what. So in that case, why wouldn't they embrace? Why wouldn't they hug? Uh, it, 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 it's it's they're too successful and too. What, what do you call it? They're too like. They mean too much to each other to not just say, "Hey, man, let's just let's just focus on the good times." Remember that twenty year run is amazing. Let's not even focus on, you know, twenty eighteen to twenty twenty one or twenty twenty. Don't need to worry about that. The, those years are behind us and stuff like that. So I, I I agree, and I think actually this will be a very nice game. Just uh, this will be very nice to see. I uh, I genuinely hope. That it's a good game. I I really do. I hope it's a close game. He's going to get so, the, sorry, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you're fine. Go ahead. Oh, that go was ahead. it. Oh, I was gonna say. Uh, I hope it's a really good game. Yeah, I hope it's close. The response that Brady is going to get when he breaks the all-time passing record, because he will, he will break the all-time passing record this game. He's 67 yards away. He will break Drew Brees' record. They will stop the game. They'll shoot fireworks off, and he will get a standing ovation for probably five minutes. Because that is what that is what that 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 guy like Shook said it perfect. You you love the guy. You love the guy. You love the player. He is just he has meant that dude has enhanced my football watching ability for a 
the better part of my oh, adult God, yeah. life for 20 seasons, 20 years. I have got to see what the pinnacle of football is like. Lived it for 20 years, dude. Get so let's not get this right. Let's let's not let's not get it twisted, man. Tw- 10 Super Bowls in 20 seasons. He has been to 10 Super Bowls in 20 seasons. You got so to think about it. think about that. Gonna like him. <laughs> Let that sink in for one second. In 20 seasons, he has been to 10 Super Bowls and won seven of them. Every other so that breaks down to basically if you if you break it, think about this. Every other year for 20 seasons, the Patriots were in the goddamn Super Bowl. <laughs> that let that sink in for us. Like every let, other year. Just, Take a minute and let that sink. That type of a run, that type of a run, just doesn't happen, dude. It never happens. It, it never had. It's 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 similar to like UCLA John Wooden years. It's just it's unprecedented, no question. And it's you like so so. Let's just. I mean, just to end it, man. It's like like. I, I, I'm just like you. I'm hoping that the Patriots keep it competitive. I hope it's a super entertaining game. I want to see Brady and Belichick battle it out. I want to see the ultimate chess game tonight. You know what I mean? Well, it'll be the first time we've ever seen it. Brady's offense versus Belichick's defense. This is going to be amazing. So that's, I'm hyped. That's all that's I can say. I, I want to see the ultimate chess game tonight. And I hope, I hope and pray that this game is like a touchdown, a touchdown game heading into like the final six minutes of the fourth. It that's, really is exciting. That's what I want. I want to see them keep it close. I want to see them just – I want – and it's going to be a good day for Boston sports, man. It's – it's. we got the Sox. Like, the MLB is just going to be straight-up chaos. Um, like, like it's going to be a lot of fun, man. So, oh, yeah. to just end the show today, guys, like – like Great show. Wow. Just, yeah, it was – once again um, – One of the best. Um. Once again, man, like this, this was a phenomenal show. Thank you again to Shukri Wrights for coming on. And I know, so um, like I said, I know he's a busy guy and I know he's got a lot, got a lot going on. And I, I thank him um, for taking the time out and hanging out with us and talking some, some, some sports. Um, but I, that is going to, uh, that's going to do it for episode 12 of the I-90 sports podcast. For me and JD, guys, thank you all for listening. Um, once again, if you're on iHeartRadio, if you're listening on iHeart, we are live on YouTube for the show. So if you want to participate in the chat um, and ask us a question live on air, swing on over to um, Beantown Breakdown on YouTube. And also my guy over here, JD, if you're uh, wanting to listen or share a particular segment with some friends and family, um, he does all the editing and he will, he chops up each segment of the show that we do. So, um, he's also got a YouTube channel. JD, can you drop that? The, yeah, I, the sure. I-90 sports talk, um, YouTube channel on the chat and then we can, uh, we'll end it off, but that's again. Um, there so if is. you're, if you want to, um, basically hit up the, the, uh, I-90 sports talk YouTube channel, that is where the chopped up version of the show is. It's all of the highlights and all of the different segments. But thanks again, guys, for making episode 12 great. We appreciate all the support. 
Go Pats tonight, JD. Bear the fuck down. Let's go. We can't lose to the Lions. We go can't. Bears. Go Bears. All right, guys. Yeah, take it easy. Have a good Take one. We love y'all and appreciate every single one of you guys. Love you guys. And have a good weekend. We will see you later. We're out. Peace. Peace.